Welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity, a show about weirdos, with your hosts, John Fahey, Aaron Peter, and Matt Brutzone. Hello folks, welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity, it's a show about weirdos, doggone it. My name is John Fahey, your host. It is John Boy time. I am the COVID kid. I am COVID barely 18. Joining me as ever, the handsomest, prettiest boy under the sun, the be-all, end-all, Ken doll, Aaron Joseph Peter. Hello. That's me, man. Guilty as charged. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm not sorry. And Accused you know what? and For convicted that, I'm sorry. of Drinko's pee-pee. Yeah, and I'm serving my sentence, mm-hmm. which is ended in an exclamation point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. gonna you're gonna think on it. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna stink on it, <laughs> and I'm gonna twink on it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know how like when you get caught cigarette smoking cigarettes by your dad as a kid, mm. it makes you smoke the whole pack. Yeah, right. that's what the government did to me when they found that I was uh, accused and then convicted of Drinko's peepee. Yeah, they made me drink up all of it, all of it. Oh, yeah. oh. and to your right, my left, handsome young Matt Brousseau. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I feel good. We're here live from Chineseville. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Chinese. It'd be good though. to be with you boys. Uh, as always, uh, please check us out on the Instagram if you want to get a gander at some of these characters. It is Profiles and Eccentricity on Instagram. We are PP Podcast on Twitter. And join our Patreon. We got an extra episode Yeah, every week. We're also... Oh, whoa, whoa, that was loud. Sorry. It's okay. My levels are peaking. Mm. Uh, yeah, you can be excited. We're, we're also on, uh, on YouTube. That's exactly oh, right. Yeah. And no... We are, this is not our version of drunk history. No, <laughs> no we don't drunk. research. <laughs> and no, we won't do better. I'm no, sorry. No, we will not try This harder. is as good as it gets. And that is something I can guarantee you. <laughs> we will not do better. You can call us Helen Hunt. Mm-hmm. Because this is as good as it gets. You said it, neighbor. Wow, that is good. You like that? Or Greg Kinnear. Mm-hmm. Mm. Great reference to the Academy Award-winning picture, as good as it gets. That's yeah. right. Uh, Jack Nicholson. This is the, this is the poster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he had some good lines in that one. Yeah. You make me want to be a better man. Yeah, not us, though. <laughs> no, no. This is, again, as good as it gets. This is as good as it gets. Sorry. Um, and if you don't like it, shove off. You, you don't have to listen, <laughs> but so I'd appreciate it if you there. did. But yeah. also, you know, you can, you can have a great day. Yeah, yeah. Go have a great day. I don't wish. I wish. I wish everyone well. <laughs> no, yeah. I wish a lot of people well. Yeah. My enemies, my abusive friends. I wish you well. <laughs> Me. Huh? You can't do that. Yeah. But you also can, apparently. Well, now, now, <laughs> I don't have anything to say. But you will. <laughs> I have. I've, I've been on good. <laughs> You're in the wrong line of business, buddy. <laughs> this is I a podcast. It, I have it on good authority. That Matt has something to delight us with. Let's give him something to talk about. Yeah, I have a story. Yeah? Yeah. Take us there. Now? I'll oh. take you there. <laughs> take me right there. Well, well, lads, uh, this begins in uh, 1925. Mm. June 27th. Mm. Um, oh, I remember that. It was muggy. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Williamsburg, Brooklyn, New York. Ooh, oh, fun, hip. A young... Brooklyn's in the house. Young Jewish man, Jerome Solon Felder. Now, where, where Brooklyn at? 
<laughs> huh? Where Brooklyn at? Yeah, it's more of a statement than a question. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Hypothetical. Shout out. Hype. Mm-hmm. Hypothetical. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Very good. Hi, I'm Dr. Manhattan Beach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do, you, do you want me to finish the, yes, the yes, birth? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, Williamsburg, Brooklyn. <laughs> Jerome Solon Felder, born to Morris and Millie Felder, Jewish immigrants from Europe. One of the many, uh, part of the many pairs of Jewish immigrants that filled the Williamsburg ghetto at the time. Mm. Uh, 1925, uh, his parents, uh, both, uh, both immigrants, he, he grew up uh, he, in... Uh, it was a, it was a, just a, his parents were, uh, they fought constantly. It was a whole, mm. whole thing. And I'll get into, uh, their, uh, lives in the Patreon, oh. but no time for that. Jerome had, he had curly hair and freckles and he screamed and he yelled a lot like any normal kid mm. and he ran all the time, but he has very little memory of this mm-hmm. because in 1932, he's seven or so. And there's this polio ed- epidemic going around. I heard it's going to go away on. Yeah. Song. You know, just, hey, it is what it is. And uh, so his parents, they sent him to camp in Connecticut because they're like, we don't want you to get any of this polio. Right. And then uh, he goes swimming, and then one morning he wakes up, and his legs don't work. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Yeah, the, pol- the no-polio camp turned into the yeah, polio, camp. polio camp. He's probably playing Marco Polio in that swim. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get it. <laughs> Marco Polio Jesus oh. Christ I'm drowning <laughs> <laughs> Shoot it all over me What? Huh? <laughs> so, oh god <laughs> Now uh, he, he, you know, he can't quite figure out what's going on His parents show up and they're fucking they're going crazy. They bring him to the hospital. Freaking out like a couple of Jewish immigrants in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> they bring him to the hospital. And he didn't know. that. No one ever. It's like one of those things that doctors never. Back then, they would never tell you what was going on. They would just tell everybody else. <laughs> oh, God. This poor family came and, in. Oh, kids got polio. It's fucking so sad. Of course, yeah. I told. And he said his, his, his mom, uh, she would run into the bathroom and then just the water would run the whole time to cover her crying. Oh. And then he could just see from her face that something was terrible going on. Mm. He had no idea what was happening. Uh, they sent him to Warm Springs, Georgia, which is a popular polio retreat. FDR was there. Oh, yeah. He said he saw FDR sitting by a pool. His mom said FDR's dog bit her in the ankle. Oh. And it was a, you know. Polio retreat. Yeah. Yeah, he was there a lot, FDR. Yeah. And I think he was kind so of So that like, was the real polio camp? Yes. Yeah. And it was, uh, I think, Kind of a, a a thing where he uh, FDR was up a you know face to face with the average person, right? You right, know, yeah, yeah. in this kind of spot, and he he loved it there. Hey. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and uh, Jerome said the, these were some of the famous fa- his favorite moments from this time mm-hmm. uh, being there. Uh, he was there for a few weeks, and then he was sent to uh, uh, upstate New York uh, rehab for uh, kids with polio, and. Um, in the Hudson Valley, and, and he said, well, as soon as he got there, all the other kids crowded around his bed, and they punched him until he cried. Huh. That was his entrance. Wow. There was a doctor there. And they all have polio. Yeah. But he was the new kid, so, you know, everybody's feeling bad, so might as well take it out on somebody, I guess. Yeah. Kids, they can be so cruel. Yeah. We can? Uh, that, so there was a doctor there who he would perform a surgery that he said would fix the, the foot, and what he meant was that he would fix it in one place. Ah. And then eventually the kids, as they grew older, the legs would be even less useful. 
So he didn't know that at the time, or maybe he did. But he would pick. Uh, Jerome said he, it was it was nightmarish because the doctor would just walk bed to bed, and he'd seemingly randomly he would go surgery, no surgery, surgery, no surgery, uh-huh. and then another doctor there would just pick up his legs and then drop him to taunt him. Yep, polio. His legs. <laughs> yeah, that's, mm-hmm. you got this kid. <laughs> that's yeah. So that was his memory of that place. <laughs> he uh, he begged his mom not to let him uh, do surgery on him, and uh, and she what? super fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's polio, all right. <laughs> Still got it, kid. <laughs> so he does this. This goes on for uh, about uh, two years, and then he gets back home. His parents don't send him to school. A tutor shows up. Otherwise, he spends like all day in bed daydreaming. Mm. Uh, he learns to yell really well. Yeah. Well, oh, he was, he, was already, he was already screaming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but now he's yelling. He's yelling in another room. He's yelling for his mom. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he was over uh, the running water. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> to hide her, her, her prodigious tears and ferocious dumps. God, that's what she's doing. Yeah, it's, it's the second part that yeah he never thought about. Mm-hmm. Ma, what are you doing in there so long? Why are you taking such a long shower? <laughs> Jerking off. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, in 1933, so he's he's about eight now. Uh, he gets his picture in the paper. Oh. Because uh, he, entered, he wrote to a local radio station and asked for a puppy. And the local DJ, uh, when the local DJ was like the hottest thing in the world, <laughs> wherever you were, right? Uh, Dr. Er, er, DJ Uncle Don was his name. And so in order to get some press out, <laughs> DJ Uncle Don uh, gave him up. He showed up and he gave him a puppy. <laughs> and there's this picture in the Brooklyn Times Union of of Jerome and he's surrounded by all these people and he's holding the puppy with the DJ and the headline is paralyzed boy is gleeful. <laughs> well, at least he gave him a live puppy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and the dog's name was Crummy. Oh, oh. you know, really fun times. Yeah, that's <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> this is WDON. <laughs> I'm Uncle Don. <laughs> Who wants a fucking puppy out there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So then he then he started reading books. He reads uh, this book Jean Christophe um, by Romain Rollard. This is uh, what the Germans call the Bildungsroman. Oh, it's and it's you know it's a story from uh, uh, from a psychological birth to to death almost. Mm, you know, yeah. so it follows someone throughout their life uh, in in different ways. And he reads it. It's about a German composer. It's it's very clearly a bi- it's like about Beethoven. Uh, Rollard had, had written a biography of Beethoven uh, like two or three years before he started this. And so he just kind of cribbed that into his own story. Mm-hmm. And so Jerome reads this and he, he, he loves it. You know, he read all these, you know, Captain, um, 2000 Leagues Under the Sea and all these things. And he always, he, you know, he get, used these books and they were an excuse to get away. He always dreamed himself to be, um, he, mobile. He, yeah. Well, he's, he, no, he, well, he said he wanted to be the first boxer on crutches. He wanted oh. to be the first first baseman on crutches. He Whoa. wanted to be. He was like, so he wasn't going to let him. But of course, you know, he was still stuck in the house for most of the day. You know, he, when he was younger, he used to love hearing the kids play baseball. And now it was torture, you know, because he could hear it right through his window in the, in the apartment. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he was an expert on torture. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> he received quite a bit of it. Yeah. <laughs> Hope those guys don't come in here and just beat my ass <laughs> just because I'm friends with FDR. <laughs> I hope they beat my legs. <laughs> Can't feel those sons of bitches. <laughs> they beat my legs mostly. <laughs> mostly. 
So, so, uh, so Take crummy. Yeah. <laughs> Beat him. He's a crummy dog. Uh, yeah, the the, um, the the documentary in the book I read that didn't mention whatever happened to the dog. So, uh, huh? Good luck, crummy. So anyway, so he, he likes this uh, story so much. Uh, you know, he's, he listens to to he's he's listening to the radio at night. Everybody go to bed. He'd turn on the radio, and there'd be like uh, you know opera and classical music on. And he would he would he would pull out a baton and he would play to it. And then you know one night he turns the dial and all of a sudden he finds black music. Uh oh. And like today, black metal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> today we'd call it swing and jazz blues. Oh. You know, he found that Count Basie, Billy Holiday, Coleman Hawkins, mm. and they were all live from somewhere usually. Right. Right. So you get this, you know, you you know, it's exciting. It's time. like you're there with them. Yeah. Yeah. This is not your regular Uncle Don bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, this is real, you know, underground stuff. And uh, so after that, he decided he'd take up the saxophone. <laughs> and uh, You want to be the first saxophonist on crutches? <laughs> yeah, per- perhaps, yeah. I mean, you you know, in theory, it's not, not so bad. New Yorkers love saxophones. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, you tell me, John. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> out there in the snow all the time. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, Chicago, too. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, fucking assholes. Get, you know, always like uh, some guy at the L station... Mm-hmm. You know, they're always they're always they just play stand by me for 10 hours straight like, <laughs> all right i'm here once <laughs> uh so he, he's actually he becomes a a very good uh saxophone player uh, uh eventually he, his parents put him into high school and the only you know he got in music class and he was very he was a great music student you know this is the, it's the only class where he didn't feel like he was handicapped mm. and he learned to read uh just like sight read so he just music like, yeah and uh so him and a couple of, like there's another there's a woman uh, a young girl in the class and uh, and she treated him like a normal person and he was like this is awesome also she has a pretty nice chest oh what? god For real? yeah when he was eight no no he's in high school now oh yeah and the biographer talked about the big titties he does mention it yeah one of his interviews so she she's in, diary, she's a she's sub eighteen all right and uh, they they form a band with a couple other people oh. and they go to like you know they go to a bar and the, and because she knows somebody who works at a bar and he's like you bring a band and we'll put you up mm-hmm. and so they go up and they play at this bar and they uh, each get a. a they just get a beer and a couple dollars. Nice. And they're like, this is fucking awesome. It's we the just, best. We just got paid. Yeah. And, uh, and we got to drink. And then after they do this for a bit, and then someone at, at one of the bars pulls a knife on the girl, and, uh-huh. and they get kicked out. It's like, get your like, chesty ass yeah, out of here, exactly. I swear to God. You keep dawning on these violent <laughs> animals with those big, beautiful, holy jeez. <laughs> In that big balcony, of the fuck out of here. So, you get out of here. <laughs> Leave the titties. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he's, so he's still a good sax player. But one morning, he's like, one, uh, he's walking home from school. And all the kids in the neighborhood are having a snowball fight. Uh-oh. And then what they would do is they would, uh, they would uh, melt them and then freeze them. So it was oh, an ice yeah. ball fight. Yeah. And so, you know, he gets stuck in the middle of this. And he... Uh, <laughs> he's it, just on his crutches. He's on his crutches. And then he's, like, trying to hide from it. And he puts himself... He puts his, like, he's laying up against the wall to hide from it. And his, his hand, his right hand is up on the wall. Snowball hits his right hand. Can't play the fucking sack. Breaks his fingers. 
the doctor doesn't reset it correctly. Uh-huh. And next time he tries to play the sax, nothing nothing works. Is this kid Mr. Glass? <laughs> <laughs> this is like <laughs> this is this is usually uh, at the point of all my favorite stories where <laughs> where, the, where the, the main character develops their mutant powers. Yeah, under periods of great emotional and physical stress, you know, well, they sprout wings or shoot laser beams from their eyes or mm-hmm. something like that. Is anything good gonna happen? Well, it's funny you say that, Aaron, because mm. this is ha- this happens when he's fourteen or fifteen, and then so around age fifteen, he's listening to the radio, and he hears this song. Hey. And he's like, okay, you know, he's heard this, you know, it's nice little, you know, little little jazz. This, little is, this, is, this is, you know, I'll talk about the importance of the song on the Patreon. Yeah, uh, it's like a sexy. It's a and how how this connects. This song connects uh, the 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 jazz, and eventually this would sag into what would become rock and roll. Connections. But then he hears this. Well, I've been to Kansas City. Well, and everything is really all right. So to him, he's like, this is this sounds like a man, you know, listening today, you, know, you have a different experience, I think. But he's, he's like, this is sounding like this is the biggest man in the world yelling at the top of his lungs. Ah. And he was like, that's... It's hard, it's dark and it's heavy, and this man is just screaming for his life. This is Big Joe Turner, he's a, a big man, mm-hmm. and this is the piney, this is piney brown blues. And uh, so he, he just he memorizes the song, it becomes his favorite song, and, and this is how he discovers the blues. And uh, you know, it was the uh, Betty King said uh, he, Betty King uh, uh, about him. He said. Uh, that uh, you got to live something to sing something. Yeah, well, this gentleman, uh, this young man, certainly had quite a bit of blues of <laughs> yes. his life yeah. to, to draw upon. Yeah. And so, uh, 1943, he's 18 now. And he, you know, he's been obsessed with these blues records. And he goes to this this uh, tavern called George's Tavern in Greenwich Village. Mm-hmm. And he's there to just watch the jazz on stage. This guy, uh, uh, Frankie Newton, is playing trumpet. And he's just kind of fucking around. He was, uh, he was the trumpeter on Billie Holiday's Strange Fruit. And, ah. and he's just, you know, these guys just, they would just sit, they, they would sit there and then a friend, the friend of theirs would show up and come on stage and they'd fuck around and they'd do this until two in the morning and then they'd get some bolognese from the place uh, when, oh. it, when it shut down and That's then, you know, nice. then they would go home. They'd get paid, you know, a few dollars and it yeah. was, you know, it was a gig. And uh, so he's 16, yeah, he's 16 and the, uh, the owner comes over and because he's been He's been hiding himself by the stage, mm-hmm. so it didn't, so no one could see that he wasn't drinking anything. Mm-hmm. And the owner's like, "You're not drinking anything. Why don't you fuck off?" And he turns to him and he just goes, "Oh, I, I, I'm a singer." And the owner goes, "Fucking okay, well, go sing then." <laughs> and he tells him to go on stage, and uh, he's never done this before. And there's you know there's an, there's a crowd there. Whoa! And uh, so he gets on stage. He fucking clomps his way on oh, stage, right? Clomps. He's got the. And he crawls with the claw. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are in for a treat. <laughs> Just gotta rig myself up with this complicated system of pulleys. <laughs> I'm your marionette. <laughs> Frankie Newton's uh, goes, hey, "Hey kid, what what key?" And he doesn't know any keys, so he just says, I don't know. Uh, fuck did you say? <laughs> this is a blues riff and beat. Uh, <laughs> so he just, he just says. Watch me for the changes. He just says, uh, um, uh, blues in any key, in any tempo. 
And so he closes his eyes, he, you know, times it up, and he starts yelling out that same song, Piney, Piney uh, Blues, that uh, Big Joe Turner. Ah. And he closed his eyes for the entire, t- it, was, it took two minutes, and when he opened his eyes, half the crowd was clapping, and he was like, hey, hey, that was all right. Better than a, better than a beat down by a bunch of kids. <laughs> better than a snowball in the, in the hand, or a, a surgery by a maniac doctor. It's better than a polio hospital hazing, I'll tell you that. <laughs> polio hospital hazing is my favorite uh, yeah. punk record. Absolutely, yeah. that's a really good one. Yeah, yeah Jello's great on that. Yeah. Uh, on the on the trade ride home, he's just like he's just running such adrenaline. He writes his first song, BB Blues. BB is for Brighton Beach, where uh, he had a crush over the, the previous summer. Mm. Um, and uh, he decided he needed a new name. He needed a name that made sense for a blues singer, uh, and not a crippled white Jew. Yeah, curly fingers. Yeah, <laughs> curly fingers. <laughs> curly fingers Johnson. This guy's crazy. Curly fingers. <laughs> and also. He, he, <laughs> <laughs> he also needed a name, so if he ever, if his name ever went on a marquee, his mom wouldn't know. Ah, yeah, you can't know. Yeah, a young Jewish boy. Yeah, his, his, parents, mo- his mom's gonna. No, 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 no. His no, 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 parents no, 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 did no. not want him carousing. Uh, and uh, so he's he's fooling around with his cousin, trying to think of a name. And he, Doc Clayton was a, a blues uh, a, a singer that he liked, so he's Doc. And then they were just fucking. He's like, for some reason, for just no reason other than it sounded fine. The word Pomus, P-O-M-U-S. And so he became Doc Pomus. Mm. Hmm. And so he goes up there the he goes up there the next night. The guy's like, what's your name? He goes, Oh, Doc Pomus. And now he goes up and now he has two songs. So he does his two songs. Right. And then he becomes a regular. He goes there every day, every night that summer. And those next few weeks were just a blur. He's up. All night smoking, drinking, singing. Straight West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> He's singing in front of Lester Young and Frankie Newton, some of the best musicians in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually he, he puts together a couple other songs. He remembers the words to a couple other songs. Now he's got four songs. Uh, then he puts his own band together. What with uh, you know someone from school and uh, mm-hmm. I think you know I think uh, maybe from the community college I forget and uh, all of a sudden he's making forty dollars a week now. Hey, wait! It's about six hundred forty dollars today. Hey, wow. yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden someone just you know there's uh, there's this I think it was an English jazz historian or and writer and musician who uh, saw him and was like, hey, yeah, uh, uh, I got a song that. Uh, I'd like you to sing. Mm. And he's like, okay. So he goes and records this guy's song and mm-hmm. it, it gets put out on a record and it gets a decent review in a local uh, music magazine. Uh-huh. And he's like, holy shit. I, this, I can do this. And then a couple of days later, he's playing his favorite numbers at the, at the bookie and he wins big. Hey. Whoa. He's like, oh, everything's going great. He buys a car with uh, handbrakes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hand-powered brakes. Left hand. Yeah. And then not long after, he falls asleep while driving home, and he plows it into a, into a pole. Jesus and, Christ. Uh, he plows it into a bunch of kids to have a snowball fight <laughs> on accident. <laughs> <laughs> when he wakes up in the ambulance, he finds out that while he was passed out in the street, someone robbed him. Oh, God. <laughs> I woke up in the ambulance this morning. My pockets were lighter. Plus, I have polio. I pulled an all-nighter. Kids whipped my ass several times. 
pivotal points in my life. <laughs> now, uh, so, uh, so, you know, but he, you know, gets back into it. He still, he goes, keeps going back to the clubs and all the clubs he's playing, they're kind of like, uh, they're, they're mixed race. And, uh, you know, oh. today, today it would be like hipstery, you know? Oh, um, and, and in Williamsburg? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Surround. Yeah, well, yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> right. No, back then Williamsburg was not hipstery. Of course, yes. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, it'd be, it'd be places like Manhattan, um, and uh, every and you know, um, it's so so a jazz guitarist, this guy named Rector Bailey, um, was like, "Hey, man, Rector, barely know her. Damn near killed her." The 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 mixed rex plays were in Bed Stuy. Ah, improv, 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 improvisational uh, music and, and uh, you know stuff like that. Freeform. Yeah, it was more. You know, it, it was where stuff like bebop would be would be coming. Mm. In. Now, where would the rock steady come from? <laughs> <laughs> Is there a secret to this ooze? <laughs> Is there a secret to, to this goose? So mm. like that. Oh. So this guy, this guitarist, uh, Rector Bailey, says, "Hey, man." You know, you're you're doing blues. I got a place where people would really dig it. <laughs> and it's miserable. They're mm-hmm. like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All of our moms are in the bathroom <laughs> wailing into the faucet. <laughs> you, so you got legs, huh? <laughs> Must be nice. Yeah. <laughs> we gave one of those <laughs> we gave one of our moms in the bathroom a microphone. She, <laughs> She's singing, wailing. Singing the blues all night. <laughs> so Singing the Browns. Oh what? God, she is. Ah. <laughs> so so Bailey tells him to go to this place called Verona Cafe, and oh. uh, he goes up on stage. He's the only white guy in there. Mm. And but the moment he sings, like all the black guys are like, oh, "All right, come on, fuck, fuck off. Mm-hmm. Don't 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 fool don't fool around. Fuck and, out of here with that, will you please?" And then the moment he sings, they all stop and go, "Oh, oh shit." This guy means not, business. Kid's not faking. You can dance with our dates. <laughs> <laughs> if you could dance. <laughs> yeah, so you might be able to flail around or wiggle your left arm yeah. or something. That's we, cool. We can get that marionette back out here and help you out. So, uh, <laughs> this, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is from uh, uh, Lonely Avenue, uh, uh, the, the book about him from Alex uh, Halber Street. About Doc Pumice? Yeah. Pumice? Yeah. Uh, so this is what he says about the, uh, that. He said, uh, they loved him all the more because he was white and owned the music without the fuss or extraneous reverence or apology. Men in work shirts were lining up to buy him drinks. A young woman busting out of her crepe de shin blouse who had been doing a double twist right in front of the bandstand was beckoning him over to her table. Oh, Uh-oh. my God. Really? He was like, he was like this, is, this is home. Out of sight. <laughs> <laughs> and and so from here he you know he really starts to pick up some steam. He starts recording um every few months he he'd record a song. And usually they were forgettable stuff, but <laughs> but you know, and, and you know uh you know he he would uh he he got stiff so many times that he started borrowing a friend's revolver and when they didn't pay him right away, he'd pull out the gun on him and nice. then they would pay him. <laughs> Counter offer. <laughs> <laughs> but he but he gets this medium hit uh with a jingle for uh, a clothing store. Oh called Alley uh Alley Alley. Just like where you could, you know, just get good looking clothes for the day. Hey, nice. And uh uh, for the day, well, because yeah. you're definitely gonna be robbed later. 
These are my morning pants. <laughs> I see you don't move and you got a nice blazer. I'll take that. Stick them up. <laughs> Do you have it? Do you have the jingle? So I don't have the jingle, but a few months after that, uh, he recorded a version of the jingle that he had rewritten into uh, a blues song. <laughs> and But the, the jingle was huge. Everybody... Everybody knew the jingle. Sure. Sports Chalet <laughs> will take you to the limit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Whoever wrote the Hinsdale, America's favorite track jingle. Yeah. Uh, so this is the this is what he turned into the almost dirty blues version of it. But it's, it's the same jingle, but he's just changed the words a little bit. Talking about getting dome in an alley by some girl named Allie. <laughs> I'd do it myself if not for the curly fingers. I'm filled me with ecstasy. So <laughs> can't reach my ass to wash it. <laughs> <laughs> No. What? what? <laughs> no. He's got another hand. Yeah, but I mean, that thing's that thing's supposed to be driving the car. What? <laughs> <laughs> These cars are not toilets, John. Mm-hmm. No matter how you treat your own. <laughs> uh, you know, so a, a lot of the songs were were like kind of like throwaway songs, which were like tongue in cheek. Uh, something like this. This is called the. I mean, pretty happening. Pretty happening band. Just singing about smoking weed. All right. Yeah. Talking about chiefing it to the dome. It sounds well, you like gotta chief it. to the dome. <laughs> <laughs> Probably helps with the curly fingers. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It really loosens you up. <laughs> you can really roll a joint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you have to imagine Fred Newton's on stage and he's just fucking fooling around. Some some weed goes a long way. Up there. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so uh, it's medical. <laughs> so, so he keeps. I'm a doctor. <laughs> it's, it's true. He keeps playing. He keeps recording. Uh, eventually, a DJ and club owner in Newark, in the black belt of Newark. Uh, what? what? Oh, it's all the karate guys. <laughs> yes, Aaron. Yes. <laughs> That was a Chinese. Joke. <laughs> now you talking about Soho or Dojo? <laughs> Little Calabay. <laughs> Little Calabay. <laughs> All right, so he's down there in the Dojo. So he district. goes out to Newark. He's playing in, uh, in, in, you know, in the black belt. 
and it's a happening place. It, it, it's such a ha- happening time. People are passing out in the middle of the music. <laughs> now, this is like Great Depression. This is... Uh, uh, 30s? Late 30s? Yeah, mid-30s. Yeah. All right, so mm. pretty yeah, nice. Crawling out Everybody was kung fu fighting. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this place is just like, there's people, what they would do is if, if people in the audience liked it, they would throw money on stage. Oh. And so he's just like singing, and, you know, there's just coins bouncing yeah. all over. He said, like, wish I could pick that shit up. He's <laughs> <laughs> having PTSD flashbacks with ice balls. <laughs> He said, he said, he said uh, you know, pe- like people would be passing out. He, one time he saw this woman, she passed out from over dancing, mm-hmm. and her boyfriend smacked her awake. And then she, wake up, throw some money at this cripple. And she heard the music, and she passed right out again. <laughs> Man, those were the days. People yeah. were, people passing out from music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah huh? huh? I know. Now, now, now it's uh, something devious. Yeah, now yeah. people, they so jaded. I know. I don't, I don't even... <laughs> Nothing will make anybody freak yeah, out. Yeah, like it's like people just acting like VR porn is normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so while he's there, he he meet he he meet he he meets all of these amazing black artists. Uh, Roy Hamilton, Big Maybell was this just big black woman with this amazing voice. Uh, Joey August, aka Mr. Google Eyes. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, now he's a pervert. <laughs> <laughs> His eyes will find anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Google Eyes. Sure, I know, I get it. Yeah, uh, this guy Alphabet. This I guy, like to uh, Google Eyes too. <laughs> this guy Andrew Tibbs. Him and Andrew Tibbs. Andrew Tibbs had this. Tibbs? Andy... <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Andrew Tibbs was this amazing live performer that by the, you know, by the time they eventually started recording him in the studio, it never really captured the, the energy of him. But him and Doc, at the end of nights, they would just do a back and forth. Mm. And so Tibbs would be on one side of the stage, Doc would be on the other, and they'd just be shouting back and forth the blues to each mm-hmm. other, you know, the, the, uh, the repeat. Uh, but when he was also there, he, saw, he, he just had this mind blow, blown by this guy named Little Jimmy Scott. Huh. And I got to play some Little Jimmy Scott um, because... You have to hear little Jimmy Scott. This is from uh, 1969. Uh, so this is, you know, years later. 30 years later. Um, but this is Jimmy Scott. This land is mine. Oh, that's nice. God gave this land to me this brave and ancient land to me so now you hear that right and you have you maybe maybe you have an idea of what you to think about little jimmy scott and little jimmy scott was born with this thing called cowman syndrome cowman's mhm it's a it's a genetic disorder that uh, it it kept him from reaching puberty. Oh yeah, and so like Webster. Yeah, 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 probably. And so he or was Gary Coleman, whichever one. Coleman all the way, baby. Cowman. So he has this natural uh, contralto voice, this high voice. Yeah. When I first and and a lot of his albums, uh, especially that album, The Exodus, uh, it has this beautiful black woman on. It, and I was like, oh man, she's fucking great. A lot, a lot of his albums would have women on it because it didn't want to confuse of his voice, people. Right. Ah. And, um, and, and so he was like a natural eunuch. Yeah. But he was uh, he was 4'11 until age 36, and then he grew eight inches. 
Whoa. But he, the voice stayed. But you know, how, see, how tall did he get? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, he couldn't swim after that. Don't, don't have a cow, man. <laughs> wow, so he was a whole 5'7", huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, so, you, you know, in a, in a club like this, all these people are playing the, ju- the blues. Playing the blues. Ju- mm-hmm. yeah, one of them was. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, everybody, like, quiets down in this fucking tiny little, you know, you're like, oh, what's yeah. this kid doing up here? And then he fucking blows the room out with that. Yeah. He's, he's got like, the oh, tiny sh- baby cutie blues. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm 33. <laughs> I'm dying for a drink. Can't get served. <laughs> Do you have a sister? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in 46, Doc, he, you know, he's, uh, he's writing more music, and he writes this song that, uh, he, 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 that, is record, that Atlanta uh, buys and picks up. And at the time, Atlantic, Atlantic is just this one-room office above a restaurant. The record company we know now yeah. is Atlantic. It was just this one little place. And so you just show up and you go, hey, I got a song. And so every now and then he would write a song, he'd sing it to a recorder, he'd bring it to them, and they would uh, uh, um, go, okay. And when they recorded in that room, they would just push all the desks to the wall, and then the singers would record in there. And like, you know, when Joe Turner did Shake, Rattle, and Roll, the background vocals were the people in the office. Because that was just like... What? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. That's just, hey, that's, you know. It's just the line cooks downstairs. (laughs) 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 So, so, so he's been selling songs to them for about five years. Um, And then in 48, uh, you know, Jimmy Scott moves home and, you know, everybody he knows is kind of uh, just like leaving, you know, they had their run. And also in the, in the mid forties, the, there was a music union and um, they didn't, they went on strike and so no one could record. Mm-hmm. And so right at the beginning of this new version of, of bebop and jazz, there's years of music that is lost because this, the music union wouldn't let anybody record. Mm-hmm. And so in 48, uh, it's everything is just kind of like fallen out. And now doc, he's not, he's not making as much money. He's still playing all the time. And that's where all his money's coming from. But you know, certainly not paying the bills. He's, uh, he's living in this hostel and that night he would hang out in the lobby because there wasn't any pl- other place to hang out. He had this, uh, this guy across from him who would just scream all day in the room across from him. Oh, he had another guy down the hall who, uh, who, when they started talking in the lobby, the guy was like, yeah, my roommate killed a guy. And so Doc was like, you should call the cops. <laughs> and that's how the cops solved this, this infamous murder. Uh, there was another guy in his hallway who would, was just crazy guy who would just write letters and to like uh, uh, politicians all the time and no one would ever answer them. Mm. And then one time Doc was like, you want me to give it a shot? You just tell me what to write. And then sure. Doc toned it down and the, 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 uh, the letter was responded to. So the guy started paying him to write letters for him. <laughs> ah. Just like shouting right. nonsense at yeah. him. And then he'd be like, dear sir. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Plus he's friends with FDR. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know a guy. Yeah. <laughs> now at this point of his life, is he still on, is he crutching around? He's still crutching around. Now does he have those cool ones that attach to your forearms? No, no. He's still, you got these ones, you know, they're fucking just beat up all over. They got tape. Oh, they got yeah. like the ones that go in your armpits and stuff? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. sick. Yeah. And there's, so you, there's pictures of him on stage where it's just, he's screaming. He's all propped wow. up. Yeah. Real. Um, I'll show you a picture. Nice. 
no, 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 no. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> uh, in, uh, in 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 forty seven though he was interviewed uh, for uh, Picture Life magazine. Huh. Oh, I'm sorry, that's fifty four. Whatever. Um, <laughs> Whatever. He, he he's uh, he's interviewed for uh, Picture Picture Life magazine. Here's a picture of him. I'll try to remember to put on the YouTube. We'll see if I remember. Whoa. And uh, in it in it he uh, he's talking about how all these agents will pick it up pick him up and he's like oh. He's like, yeah, all these agents—they don't want me. I think they're all ex-tap dancers. Huh? He, you know, he's trying to <laughs> yeah. trying to jazz up his uh, blues, jazz up his talk. <laughs> and uh, and he, you know, he talks about it how he's like he's amazed. He's like, you know, black people come to watch me sing the blues. Mm-hmm. He's like, just to think about that for a second. Yeah. Um, you think your life sucks. <laughs> Uh, he does get this. Uh, he, he, you know, he he runs into these different people, and there's this one uh, person. Uh, 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 there's this place called Central Plaza with this guy named Jack Crystal's running it, and for like a year or two, it was the place. Like you just show up late at night and see the best music in New York City. This guy named Jack Crystal. All these blues and jazz players would be there, and through through someone there, he meets uh, uh, someone who they're like, my wife is this uh, manager. Uh, her name is uh, 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 M A E L E uh, Mayo. I don't know. Male Bartholomew. Uh, how do you say M A E L E? Maley. Yeah, mm. Maley. And she and she she works with Duke Ellington and Charlie Parker. And she's like, I'll I'll I'll, I'll I'm gonna hook you up with a thing. And uh, he 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 records a song, and then he never gets paid. And he's like, he keeps bugging her. He's calling her all the time. And eventually, she shows up at his apartment, and she goes, I don't have any money for you, but here's uh, here's heroin. Ah, and that's how he found out that that, that that she hooked Charlie Parker onto heroin because she wouldn't pay him cash. She wow, would just give man. him heroin. Damn, it's a real bummer, man. Yeah. So now he's uh, he's living in this 1950s, living in this flop house. That's a bordello too. He said the weekends were the worst. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, that's what it was really going on. Huh. He said every every night, you know, fucking when someone would slap the women and the the fucking uh, bodyguards would have to go up there and rough a guy up and throw him out. Mm. And then he said uh, he said one <laughs> one night while they're all in there, uh, one of the transformers blows, and that all works. the lights are out, and his uh-huh. room is just pitch dark except for the the electrical cord from the line is just hitting his window it's just tapping it's just it's sparking every oh, time whoa and he's like this is this is really bad he goes into an epileptic seizure <laughs> <laughs> damn that's really scary but he's still performing he's writing good songs and yeah, no shit. And ninety yeah, transform a room, <laughs> and the electricity went out too. <laughs> <laughs> so in nineteen fifty one, uh, just the night before, he'd he'd been performing on stage. He goes to Atlantic to sell him a song, <laughs> and be, before he even gets there, Joe Turner's there, and Joe Turner's like, he's talking about this guy. He's like, I saw this, I saw this crippled guy. And he was fucking amazing. He's just singing his heart out. And the Atlanta guy's like, man, I, I, I think I know who you're talking about. And then Doc walks through the do- door. Joe Turner goes, hey, that's him. <laughs> Speaking of the devil. Whoa. <laughs> he had these curly fingers. Uh. <laughs> so, uh, so he starts writing for Joe Turner. Now, Joe Turner, this is like, you know, 
It's fucking blowing his mind because this is the Joe Turner's the guy that got him into this. Yeah. Uh, and so he starts writing songs for Joe Turner. Uh, he wrote, he writes a bunch of songs. One of them is this one. Uh, uh, this is Joe Turner still in love. Nineteen fifty-one. You love me, then you left me. Now you laughing. You laughing, cause I'm in love with you. Yeah, it's an easy listen. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he, he actually does pretty well writing uh, these songs for Joe Turner. Joe Turner loves him. Uh, <laughs> in, uh, so in 54, he has that the Picture Life magazine article, and he has this fling with this. He, the, he's at a bar, and he meets this 40-year-old blonde woman. How old is he at this point? Uh, he's in his uh, late 20s by now. Nice. Uh, I guess he'd be, 20, he'd be 29. And, uh, but so he, he walks like in his, he walks, you know, like at a 70 <laughs> year old level. So, yeah, I think he's actually like an Egyptian. No, what? A oh, mummy. <laughs> I think it was uh, Jimmy Scott who was like amazed. Like, they would take the subway everywhere and he'd fucking go up and down the stairs and be like, this is insane. He never took a taxi. He'd always, hmm, when he wasn't driving. <laughs> yeah, his stuff. His fucking insane marionette car. Yeah, his fucking, yeah. some fucking made from like <laughs> Dr. Octopus or some <laughs> shit. <laughs> <a> fucking <laughs> chitty chitty bang bang yeah, mobile. Yeah. <laughs> Runs it's on a, accordion string. Yeah, it's all levies and string and like <laughs> pulleys and. I think he's. I think he's <laughs> he's got to blow a harmonica to, to, to make a left turn. No, nobody can start this car but me. It start until he blows the harmonica. Yeah. yeah. Do you have the blues? Because he can't drive. Yeah. Does anybody know how to blow a transformer? <laughs> this thing won't start until I do a B flat. Well, it's a tire. So, so he's hooking up with this this forty year old blonde woman, and then he finds out she's thirty five and she's like a serious alcoholic. And then he finds out she's Veronica Lake. Oh my god! Whoa! <laughs> so Veronica Lake had taken this just like terrible, terrible nice. dive, uh, and That's then pretty she, cool. You know, yeah, so for was, him, not yeah. for her. No, it was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool for him that her standards had <laughs> declined. Oh yeah, I've, I've, I'm still hoping. I'm waiting for that, you know, supply and demand curve for Selma Hayek to be into me. You know, one day it's gonna happen. Mm. She's <laughs> so, got a lot of, she got a lot of curves. So every too. time he sees, you know, uh, Joe Turner or something, he's like, oh man, I'm fucking hooking up with this woman in her forties. <laughs> Next time he sees him, oh my god, she's fucking thirty five. <laughs> Next time he sees him. She's Veronica Lake. <laughs> Joe, Joe Turner's like, every time you're showing up. <laughs> this is the same woman? That, that is... I mean, I mean, the news keeps getting better, in my opinion. Yeah. Natasha was 40. She's actually 35. <laughs> actually, she's Veronica Lake. I don't see a downside here. I know. So now, uh, in 55, he, uh, he's, you know, he's, he's about 30 years old now. He catches a break, and uh, this song, he writes this song, and he records it. It's called Heartlessly. And I, I can't find a copy anywhere of it. Mm. And uh, there's this local local DJ just plays it nonstop. And he's like, this is the one. This is going to be the song. And so... Yeah, um, daddy, yeah. RCA Victor is like, we love this song. They give him a manager. And then RCA buys the song. And then a week later, they shelf it. And his, man- his manager leaves him. Hmm. And he never hears back. Wow. 
And Big bag of heroin shows up at his door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if only. <laughs> Could have sold that. Being held by one Veronica Lee. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he always figured that uh, RCA loved the song, but didn't want it to be a hit because he was this white Jewish guy singing the blues. Oh, and so man. they set him up with the manager and, lo- and didn't tell him and then used that to take the song from him. Hmm. And they never released the song and no one else ever did it. But then why'd they Millie Vanilli? What's the scam there? Well, the scam is that he thought, I mean, if that song goes, it was a, supposed to be a, this awesome song. I know, but what does RCA get out of it? They get him not doing it. They get someone else to do it. Oh. But I don't think anyone ever did. Ah. So, they, you know, it's like, it's like all the movie places, in, you know, that buy, buy a project. So nobody else has it. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so he's like, so, you know, he's. He thinks about quitting everything. He's in his room for a while. He's, Except uh, heroin. Yeah. <laughs> he's not doing... He's never did heroin. I'm not the type of person to quit that. <laughs> but he realized in this moment, he's, uh, he realizes that uh, yeah, he's probably never going to make it as a singer. Uh, but later in 55, uh, through his... Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's 30 years old, and through his 18-year-old um, uh, uh, cousin, he meets this, this high school kid, this 18-year-old high school kid named Mort Schumann. Oh. And and Doc to Mort was like the <laughs> Morty. We gotta write some blues songs. <laughs> what are you talking about, Doc? You don't even have a good hand. <laughs> but Doc to Mort is like you know he's like the the Mort is obsessed with, with uh, blues music and like uh, and and you know black music in general and yeah, all of these yeah. old blues guys. Have you seen the movie? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Benny events rock and roll and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, this the style like T-Bone Walker, one of these guys. And uh, so they start writing songs and they click immediately because Mort's a really good piano player. And so he can do all the melodies and Doc starts writing the, the words. And they hit it off immediately. And uh, in 56, uh, actually, well, we take a, let's take a little break here. Okay. So I can get some more, more piss. All right. Oh. We'll be right back, folks. And we're back. Oh, God, that is nice. Now, you were saying something about, uh, 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 what was it, uh, T.J. Walker or something like that? Oh, what? T-Bone Walker. T-Bone Walker. T-Bone Walker. I'm going to play him on uh, the Patreon. P.J. Bu- P. Butters? <laughs> T-Bone Walker is a fucking amazing. He's one of these guys I heard his music and I was like, this was made five years ago? Mm. No, it was made a hundred years ago. hundred? Yeah. Right really? Oh, well, yeah, it's 2020. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, very cool dude. Uh, uh, his name's the, T-Bone, yeah. T-Bone Walker, yeah. yeah. But it was short, uh, everybody, uh, his last name is T-Bow. Oh, like the famous uh, kind of football player, Timothy T-Bow. Right, mm. but, but the, in the, the New Orleans style, not the... Oh, T-I-B-E-A-U-X. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so the, known, the New Orleans style. <laughs> well, John, is that okay by you? Oh, yeah, it's all right on occasion. <laughs> oh! <laughs> so it's 1956. He's now, he's about 31. He's living in this place called Broadway Central. It's this, you know, decent little spot. And, of course, the lobby, again, the lobby is the place where everybody's hanging out. And uh, you got to get to the lobby, guys. Well, yes. yeah, I mean, that R. Kelly song. <laughs> the lobby? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, the, um, 
first it's the lobby then the oh. after party and we got hotel room nice um mm. it's the remix to ignition yeah after that it's the closet for some reason <laughs> yeah, for 12 <laughs> episodes but see a lot of these lobbies have uh, they have like a mini re- restaurant down there too you can get mm. coffee you get some late night snacks and yeah, are these lobbyists <laughs> yeah. yeah it might as well be uh and, and uh, he's standing at the broadway central and uh this these uh, these two young women uh, uh moving down the hall and they're they're like 18 19 and uh he's ta- he talks to uh he's talking to the bellboy about him and he learns a little about him he tells the bellboy he's like here's one of them's an artist mm. and uh and her friend wants to be an actor you an artist beautiful blonde woman and he tells the bellboy he's like hey uh tell the blonde woman that uh you know i know some people in the art world and i can help her friend you know meet some folks and um a bellboy tells him that, and and so she's she you know she, you know she'd be walking through the lobby and she'd see people talking to this guy and she'd be like oh he seems interesting, and then uh, he definitely yeah, seems yeah. interesting. And so she goes over and get his hand to get, do that. He's getting pulled around on one of those luggage carts <laughs> by the bellboy. <laughs> so I have a lot of contacts <laughs> going up. <laughs> so she goes over one night. Uh, you know it's really late at night. She's you know on her. She's gonna go home. We go to bed and she's like all right she goes over and talks to him and they just have small they do small talk and they just she's she said it was just they talked until the sun came up huh and sexual and it, like he was it was just he was sweet and he listened and she doesn't even remember if he ever talked about himself he just listened to her talk about she came from this like alcoholic her father was an alcoholic in, in indiana and she moved out to new york because she wanted to be on broadway and, mm-hmm. and she meets this guy and he seems pretty interesting and so every night after that every night they would sit out in the lobby and talk yeah and then uh and then they went up to you know then he invited up to her room his, his room and you know they're, they're hanging out in his room and she's, you know, she's like, well, so what do you do? And, and, and. Oh, me? And so, you know, so he, uh, he puts on some music. And I'm she's a like, doctor. I've never heard this music before. He's, she's never heard, you know, the blues huh. or anything like it. And he's playing some records for her. And, and he, he goes, hey, here's the song uh, that I wrote that uh, uh, Ray Charles just recorded. Mm. And uh, it hasn't come out yet, but I got a pressing of it. It's the new shit. <laughs> yeah exclusive <laughs> you know she's never heard of ray charles and she doesn't just know it but she just she he puts this on and she hears the song <laughs> now you see i'm crippled he's blind <laughs> together yeah. we're basically fully functional uh, yeah. yeah i think him and ray uh, they had an understanding yeah the cool thing about uh ray is that he doesn't know i'm crippled <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know he's blind <laughs> 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 and he's black and i can't do shit about it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> man why didn't i call myself uh t-bone walker or something <laughs> ironic to- totally abled uh you know steve <laughs> <laughs> so, so totally abled totally steve. Able. that sounds like a really lame superhero <laughs> perfectly abled <laughs> hey i just why work at the walmart i can do it on my own <laughs> i'm normal uh so he plays her uh this song at ray Char- that he wrote uh that ray charles uh recorded now my room has got two windows, but the sunshine never comes through. You know it's always dark and dreary. Since I broke off, baby, with you, I live on a lonely avenue. My little girl wouldn't say I do, but I feel so sad and blue. And it's all because of you. Hmm. I could cry. 
Lonely Avenue. Lonely Avenue. Name of the book. Very nice. It's a good ass song. Mm-hmm. It became a it became a good little hit for uh, Ray Charles. Yeah. And uh, you can only imagine where he got the idea to write that song. What do you mean? Look, he was stuck in his room all day. Well, and well, and the, the light never comes through <laughs> because he's blind. Okay. Yeah, well, sometimes <laughs> sometimes there's a goddamn live wire tapping on it all night. <laughs> yeah. I got two windows. There's a fucking electrical fire waiting to happen. <laughs> I'm trapped up here, people. Well, no, that's how they wrote Electric Avenue. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take this shit to the next level. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you gotta take it to the next level. You gotta, yeah. So this is a song he wrote afternoon after uh, <laughs> the fire escape doesn't mean shit to me. <laughs> uh, it's uh, so Doc, Doc wrote this song right afternoon when he was just he was walking around on his crutches and and he just imagined you know the street full of uh, crippled people. <sighs> I guess he, you know he wrote in his, he wrote in the in the when he was he was doing like retrospective diaries in the in the 80s and he wrote that he never wanted to be one of those pitiable a pitiable cripple person he didn't want people to don't you pity me yeah he he he, he, he always wanted to you know he just to to try and, and work he didn't he didn't want people to feel bad for him sure but he also he didn't want people he didn't to, want to get that mr t attention you yeah know, yeah the, yeah the pity yeah oh uh but he just he saw the whole street full of crippled people and he just you know and and he and he put it into words mm-hmm. uh, look at all these fucking uh, crippled <laughs> <laughs> and it, it said ray charles read it and ray charles just well he didn't read it maybe he read it uh and and as soon as he as soon as he uh, as soon as he took it in took it's really it in. callous man <laughs> <laughs> it's not that he couldn't read right uh uh, Ray Charles really felt it just hit him immediately, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah this is it's like, oh, I this get this. Song. Yeah, exactly." He he's died. like, "You know, I, I, <laughs> I got, I can't even find the bathroom. You guys just have a very long wait for it." <laughs> <laughs> but once you get in, you have all this space. <laughs> <laughs> it's my office. <laughs> now, uh, the the blonde woman, her name is Willie Burke, and all of a sudden they start. They were hanging out every night, and after a while, Doc, Doc started. Uh, he started putting uh, poems under her door. Uh oh! And they started getting real flirty, and she was like, "I don't, I don't know." Ooh, oh, she was going hey. home for Christmas, and and talk asked her to marry him, and she was like, "Oh, no, oh, I, I can't, I can't hey. do that. I can't. I gotta go to some corn-fed maniac." Yeah, uh, there's back. a full. The yeah. able-bodied Steve is calling me. <laughs> 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 she, she she goes home to Indiana, and uh, she fucking her fucking alcoholic father. And uh, he's at it again. And uh, her her mom, you know, uh, Doc calls her while he's there and he asks her to marry her again. She says no, and she tells her mom about it. She's like, "Oh, there's this guy. You know, I, I really like him. You know, I'm interested in." And and you know, they're uh, they're really uh, uh, I think they're Catholic or Christian, whatever, whatever. And uh, well, you know, okay. And uh, she tells her mom, she's like, "Oh, he's you know, he's uh, he's uh, uh, Jewish. He's Jewish. Yeah. He's well, first she goes, he's crippled, and he's a songwriter." And uh, he's Jewish. And, he and, his, and her mom goes, if you marry him, I'm going to jump out the window. Ah. And Willie. Promise? <laughs> well, as soon as Willie hears that, she goes, for the first time in my life at that point, I decided to make a decision that I wanted to make and not someone else. Mm. Not do it for someone else. Mm. And so when she got back to New York, she said she would marry him. Wow. And uh, I'll show you, I'm and, show and you a picture of her. Uh, 
She's just, you know, just... Mom didn't jump out the window. No, she didn't. Uh, didn't make it to the wedding either. Mm. Oh, didn't make it, huh? No. She had to stay with the alcoholic husband. <laughs> well, in that yeah, par- pretty in, much. In, in that paradise. So this is from 64. This is about 10 years... Uh, about oh, eight, my eight years dear later. God. Yeah. You know, I used to fuck Veronica Lake. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, she said she was 40, but she was really 35, uh-huh. so not that bad. <laughs> You'll do. Oh, my God. She's gorgeous. Yeah, she's beautiful. He's a pig. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, he is He's a not pig. a bad-looking guy. He's just... No, uh, he's not. He's well, you know what? Actually, he's, he's he looks like a very happy man. Well, yes. Yeah. He he's a very, very happy... happy he's Hot. a great... Well... Hot. Uh, he has a great smile. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Like he's, sure. he's jo- uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, jovial, gregarious. And if this was my wife and I was him, I'd be happy too. Are you turn the page now. I will. I'm still focusing on. There's more to tell here. I, oh, he's got some cool crutches now. Yeah, his crutch game is up. <laughs> let me just—they're they live in Long Island, John. Well, hold on. You know, oh. let me get there. Uh, he's, I, what, you're reading the, he's reading the book out I loud. I know, now. yeah, 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 yeah. Casually yeah. browsing. It's like my brother would be like, oh, my, yeah. my brother would be like, hey, can I, uh, can I uh, take a look at that picture? And then he'd be like, I want to finish the article. And he'd be like, I, I just, it's for the... I, listen, man, you gave me the book. I look at the book. <laughs> <laughs> I look at the book. So, he gave me the doc. <laughs> so in 56, uh, at Christmas in 56, you know, when, I think it was when Willie's uh, in Indiana, uh, the Brill Building is, had just started building up. The what building? The Brill Building in, oh. in New York, which would become, you know, famous for songwriting. But it, ha- it hadn't yet been there. But, you know, so he started going. He goes to the Brill Building. Um, uh, I think Atlantic's there. I think there's, he's still... Oh, yeah, they got, a, got out of the, the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they started making, you know, they hit records, whatever. And uh, he's, he's in, in the hallway uh, waiting to meet with someone because you would just go door to door and you would just be like, hey, I got a song. And then somebody be like, nah. And then you'd go to the next door and there'd be like another company. Mm-hmm. And it was just companies the whole way. And he's waiting in the, the, the hallway and he sees these two young... He's like, man, these fucking... Who are these like kids? Mm. They fucking... They're good looking kids. And... Um, we're from Liverpool. <laughs> no, one of them, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, like you know, Jerry Jerry Wexler is at uh, he's at Atlantic now. He wants to you know meet with him. Um, I think Wexler's the guy that that turned uh, the Billboard charts. Uh, he changed race records into R and B. So before R and B charts was a thing, it was called race records. <laughs> and I think Wexler's the guy who's like, yeah, what if we didn't do that? Sure, yeah, race records. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hey, white people have music over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so anyway, so he's in the hallway uh, and he's shooting and he meets these two guys. He meets these guys, Mike Stoller and Jerry Lieber. And he's like, wait a minute. Uh, I know you guys. And they're like, you know, they wrote uh, Hound Dog for Big Mama Thornton. Who and had? she had like a minor, minor hit with it. And then Elvis did it. Right. And it fucking blew up. And so they were now they're like, you know, toast of the town. These guys, they have this huge, I think it went number one. They have number one song. And uh, they start talking, and, and Stoller, Stoller goes, wait a minute, I know you from somewhere. He's to the doc. He goes, I know you from somewhere. And Stoller jumps up, and he starts shaking his hips and going, Allie, Allie, oh, and sings the jingle, jingle at him. <laughs> and they immediately hit it off like that. Uh, I thought you were going to say, I was a kid that threw that. I <laughs> you with a snowball. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I turned you into a great musician, huh? Wow. Look at me, huh? <laughs> I wrote yeah. Hound Dog. <laughs> and I can walk. <laughs> you ever see Elvis shake his hips like that? <laughs> you maniac. <laughs> so, so, boy, I wish you could, bet you wish you could do that. 
so so uh, um, shortly before this, Ray Charles, uh, a Lonely Avenue had gone gone on the charts. It went number six on the R and B charts. So now Doc's got a, like a legitimate, you know, hit on his hand, legitimate songwriting credit. And he's back in the Atlantic offices, and he runs into Stoller, and he says, "Hey, I got a Stoller's working with the Coasters. You know the Coasters, John? No." Um, the Coasters did a song about Charlie Brown. They did a bunch of. Uh, I don't know him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <let's> see. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're oh a yakety yak. Oh, don't talk yak. Oh. Back. So that was kind of like you know that was one of their that was one of their songs. Don't. <laughs> and uh, and and Doc said he says it's Stoller. He says you're writing for the Coasters. I got a song that I think would work for the Coasters. I you know he didn't mean to write it for him, but he wrote a song and uh, so he hands uh, he hands uh, Stoller a demo that he did of, of this song called Young Blood. And uh, so I was like, oh, cool. You know, and that's it. And uh, in, in 57, uh, Willie's 24th birthday, they go to Doc's parents' house. Mm. They have dinner. Doc slips his mother's uh, wedding ring on her finger. Wow. His parents are like, I mean, and his mom, uh, you know, she, she's, she's, she's talking to Willie on her own. She goes, we never thought he'd get married. <laughs> and they're just like, they're just like, not only is he getting married, but it's just, just this very lovely woman. Yeah. They're like, holy shit. Yeah. I expected this. Expected other things. <laughs> so they get married in this large rollicking ceremony that year in June Ro- of '57. Rollicking, rollicking, yeah. Wow. And uh, and they get you know they uh, they get married at this church and it's a, it's a, I think it's a Catholic church and so or Christian. Yeah, whatever. You know, same idea. And uh, <laughs> and Doc's parents like no, almost no one's there because Doc's family can't go in. No, 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 no. And Willie's family is in Indiana and won't come. Yeah. Yeah, and so then they go, but then they go to the ceremony, and uh, so it's just like fucking DJ Walker and Able Body yeah, Steve yeah, and those D- guys. DJ Don and Crummy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uncle Don too. <laughs> I'm still alive. <laughs> so, but, but they, they get married. Alley, alley, <laughs> blowing everyone along with the transformer, <laughs> the polio doctors, the snowball boys. <laughs> We got a real Motley Crue in here. <laughs> Motley Crue was there too. <laughs> so no they, smoking in the boys' room. <laughs> they have this handicap. <laughs> smoking in the handicaps all in the boys' room. So ample room. So after the wedding, they go. They have their ceremony, and it's just a, it's a it's a fun affair. And. Uh, Everybody start, you know, the people start dancing, and Doc's like, "Willie, you should go dance." And Willie's like, "I only want to dance with you." And Doc's like, "You know, oh, just go, I go, can. go dance. Don't worry about it." And we'll do the uh, horizontal mambo later. She dances with his brother. She dances with more. And she dances with his father. And, mm. and you know, it's all it's all good. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, Doc's, you know, he says, you know, it's fine. Later, he would admit that you know some darkness got him through his head. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> But that night, they go to the Waldorf store. They got a suite there. Oh. They they break the bed. Oh, my dear God. They, they Not from sex. Doc was just getting on it, and then he fell oh. into it, and it broke. No, you're fucking... No. Yeah. Maybe it was sex, but the, her story is that he just he just fell onto it. Fucking motherfucker. But then they, they, hunt, they honeymoon in northern New York, and uh, on their way back, they stop at this small diner, mm. you know, get some food, and Doc's just flipping through the jukebox. He's, you know, a songwriter. Fucking, he's flipping through the jukebox, and he goes, hey, there's a new Coasters record on here. Hey, check this out. And it's got this song. Holy shit, that's Youngblood. Hey. <laughs> and they played it 25 times in a row. 
Which uh, uh, broke the bank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wrote this. Sure you did, pal. <laughs> With what hand? <laughs> but no, he sees his, his name. It says Pomus Stoller. Hey. Oh, Pomus so, and Stoller. Yeah, so he got it. credited. Uh, and so he, he sees that he, in the diner. He calls up Wexler at Atlantic. He goes, hey, I just, uh, I just saw Youngblood. So Wexler goes, oh, you want some money, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was top 10 on the pop chart, which is the chart. That's Whoa. the Billboard chart. And uh, Wexler uh, wires him, immediately wires him $1,500. That's about $14,000 today. That's, an, that's just an advance on the royalties. Wow. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah, that's right in time for the honeymoon, too. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, on the way back. Yeah. We're going to be able to cover this diner ticket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you fix a bit. Yeah, you already pinched your mom's ring. We're going to buy this Waffle House. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so he wasn't at, uh, I was saying Atlantic, uh, the Brill Building early. He wasn't there yet. In 57, now, now he's in the Brill Building. This is 1619 Broadway. This is the Brill Building. This is where... It would become famous for for the song. You know, Paul si- Simon and Garfunkel started there, and oh. it was if you were you were a songwriter, you would go there. That was it. You would go there and you go door to door and you'd sell your songs and you'd get kicked out. And hi, Mister. Yeah. Um, a record. You know, so like so Doc and Mort would go. They would go door to door, and Willie would bring him, and you know, fucking Willie would get harangued by all of the men. Like there one time, men a man was just chasing her around a desk. Oh my god! It was just you know, just imagine Mad Men, but worse. Oh, somehow, you know, yeah. But uh, so then Doc runs into an old girlfriend of his who says that she has uh, you know a friend of you know the friend of hers in this you know little pickle, and she's got a proposal for him. And she says her neighbor, who's her friend, he says he's a dance instructor, and he's stooping this old widow. And That's the old, nice. And the old widow, and, and, and he wants to get away. He, he wants to keep stooping her. Of course. But he wants to get away. He wants to, like, not have to be around her all the time. Hey, it's tales all the time. And so uh, he, he told the widow, the widow that he has a record company, and she, the widow offered him $10,000. And so this girlfriend is like, hey, can you just start a record company for him so he has something to use the $10,000 for? And so Mort and Doc move into the Brill building with $10,000, and start their own record company. He calls it R&B Records. And they have uh, no hits. They don't, nothing happens because what ha- like they don't have enough money. Because the money runs out. Because the mo- uh, uh, when you, when you like, press something and ship it, like, you, uh, you don't get paid until the second pressing. Okay. So it's like, you know, even if you, if you, even, even if you put something out. Right. Until the second, you have, to, you have to recoup your costs. Yeah, yeah, okay. And so they don't realize that, so it goes under pretty quickly. Plus, the old woman shows up at the office, and he's in the fuck me. The widow's not there, and she she sees that it's a. Uh... So wait, explain this whole widow. Yeah, can you do thing the chain again? of fucking here, and and the and the stripping. And yeah, the, because and I, I don't understand how a record company comes out of a. So this 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 guy, he's telling he's telling this widow that he can't be around her all Who's the time. This guy? This friend of his old girlfriend, of Doc's old girlfriend. Okay, Doc's old girlfriend has a friend. Has a, a friend who's a dance instructor who's stripping, stripping, stripping this old woman. And he doesn't want to be around her all the time, mm-hmm. the dance instructor. But he does want to fuck her. Yeah, and take her money. Right, so he needs uh, to have... So she gives him $10,000 for his record company. The widow does. Yes. Gotcha. And so, Here, honey, go Do- start using a this money, Doc starts the record company... Is with this, more is this guy? This guy. Is the, the no, he's, never, he's never there. Oh. Right, but he, he's telling the widow, oh, I'm running this big record company, and that's why I can't right. be there anymore. Right. That's why I can't strip you all the time. Right. Because right. I'm, 
I'm, I'm so busy yeah. with this record And then company. she shows up at the place, and he's not there, and she says, oh, it's a fucking scam. He got me. And hmm. uh, that's it. She take, you know, she never put, doesn't put any more money into it. They don't recoup the costs from their... Uh-huh. And so now they're out. But while they do this, because they had this little the place, you know, they, they meet... Uh, they just, you know, they meet artists. Uh, and they meet this guy named Wal- uh, Walden Robert Casado. Mm. Uh, but uh, by then he was going by Bobby Darren. Yes. And uh, they have demos Don't worry, songs. be happy guy. Um, oh, no, that's Bobby McFerrin. Beyond the Sea uh, is Bobby Darren. Beyond the Sea yeah. somewhere. That one? Mm-hmm. Waiting for me. Yeah. See? Died tragically. Did he? Bobby Darren? Yeah. Yeah. Struck an accident? Yeah, it Did was a very, very, guy? very murky... Uh, murky waters. Uh, Muddy waters. Uh, another songwriter. Another, <laughs> like, a, 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 like a, is this a murder? Like, one of those kinds of, of, of intriguing deaths of a, uh, a guy famous in his time. Yeah. So, um, anyway, but, the, you know, so they meet some, some guys. Um, you know, Darren does a demo for him and never, that's, you know, never moves. <laughs> they got the band The Crowns to record uh, Kiss and Makeup. Um, and, uh, they, you know, they meet this guy, a friend, this friend of his introduced, I can't find anything in this guy, but he sounds amazing. This guy named Cy Rich, who is a Miami financier who, uh, his big job was, uh, setting up celebrities with hookers. Nice. Yeah. And I can't find any fucking thing on this guy. That's because he was doing his job right. Yeah. 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 Sorry, Scotty Bowers. Yeah. Me, I'm nobody. But, uh, you know, later, later, uh, Willie gives birth to their first kid, uh, a girl named Sharon. Hmm. Um, And after the, you know, the, the, the company, uh, you know, disappears, you know, him and Moore are still doing their normal song thing. Uh, But then his friend Otis Blackwell, Otis Blackwell is this, this guy, the songwriter, this legendary songwriter that uh, he was friends with. Uh, really, really fun uh, Letterman interview from the late 80s. Hmm. And uh, Otis Blackwell in- introduces this guy named... Uh, Otis Blackwell wrote Don't Be Cruel, Great Balls of Fire, Fever, All Shook Up. Huh. You know, fucking classics. Yeah. Um, and he introduces him this guy named uh, Paul Case. And Case worked for this company called Hill and Range, mm-hmm. which is a publishing company. So Doc and uh, Mort, they, uh, they, they sell some songs to him. Uh, nothing really takes off, but, the, um, but the, the great thing about them at this point now is that uh, they're young. They write rock and roll, mm-hmm. and and like teenage angst. Even though, right? You know, it's the choice of a new generation. Yeah, I mean, Doc was a fucking teenager, but he knew how to, you know, sappy love. He shit. had some angst, and uh, they needed a they needed a rock and roll writer. Mm-hmm. You know, and so they got a three year contract. Uh, <laughs> this one's called the Snowball Beatdown. <laughs> 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 they got a three year contract. Doc was making two hundred a week. Mort Mort was making a hundred. Uh, two hundred a week is about uh, ninety five thousand. Uh, this next tune, this next tune's called "My Fire Escapes the Jigsaw Trap." <laughs> two hundred dollars a week is what? About ninety five thousand a year. Oh, okay. Nice. So yeah, I mean that's fucking. He's that's fucking set money, right? Uh, but Mort was Mort was just like all over the place. Fucking young kid, you know. He was all over the place. Rascal. Um. And uh, you know it, this this pay, payday came at a good time because they were kind of like running uh, on fumes. This mm. is from uh, Lonely Avenue. By November, Mort had been expelled from City College and was o- unloading crates at a minimum wage job downtown. When Doc phoned him from Case's office with the news, Mort didn't have enough cash for a cab or even subway fare, and walked to 1650 Broadway in a blizzard. 
Hours later, he's stumbling in the lobby of the building, looking so bedraggled and cold that someone handed him a $10 bill and told him to get something to eat. <laughs> oh, my God. I wrote a hit record, sure, buddy. Yeah, we all did. <laughs> get something to eat. <laughs> Fucking asshole. I told you not to let people like this inside. <laughs> Uh, so you know, they, so they start. They're usually working with like young hotshot kids who are like just pretty faces that aren't that good at singing. New kids on the block, kind yeah. of, yeah. Johnny uh, Storm. Doc's thirty-four by now, you know. But they, they work with this guy named Fabian uh, who sings the song "I Am a Man." Mm. It's very teenage. Yeah, that sounds yeah. so teenage. But mm-hmm. it goes Heart top throb. forty. I'm Fabian. Yeah. I am a man. I'm a transformer. <laughs> oh, blow, oh, yeah. blow. Uh, but it goes top forty. <laughs> so, Tapping you know, on the window. As long as they're, you know, as long as they're making fucking money, I never judged. Uh, Frank, Frankie, Av- they, you know, have a song for Frankie Avalon, uh, Bobby Rydell. Oh, nice. Uh, Jimmy Darren, you know. So you know, they just they're just churning out hits. Um, and then uh, uh, they write this song. Morton Doc write this song uh, that they thought would be good for the Mystics. It was a, the the Mystics were like a local doo wop group. Mm-hmm. Mm. And uh, but they uh, get back in time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were just like they were like nice kids. Uh, but but a, but H Hill and Range says, oh this you know this would be good. This would be good for uh, for this uh, for Dion and the Belmonts. Hey, and Dion and the Belmonts were just like they were like local thugs. They were like steal, <laughs> they were like stealing hubcaps. They were all like teenagers stealing hubcaps oh, yeah. and like wow. slick back hair. They're troublemakers. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, we we turn the hubcaps into frisbees. See? <laughs> <laughs> We melt them down and press records on them. Yeah. <laughs> hardcore shit. <laughs> hardcore thug action in the max, Jack. It's that hardcore New York beatdown sound. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you're looking for. It's a classic New York hardcore beatdown sounder. So, so Doc has this song. He, written, he wrote it for the Mystics, but H&R gives it to Dion on the Belmonts. Um, and it was originally called It's Great to Be Young and in Love. And then, you know, Doc was thinking about it later. He's like, Teenagers being in love sucks. It's not yeah. great to be love in in love as a teenager. It sucks. So Fucking thing sucks. So he rewrote with your curly hands and not being able to walk. <laughs> <laughs> so he he, re, he rewrites it. He rewords it, and uh, um, and uh, Dan and the Belmonts uh, record it, and it becomes uh, it becomes this. Parents just don't understand by Will Smith. <laughs> oh, this is great. I do. Each time we have a quarrel, oh, Dion. it almost breaks my heart. Cause I'm so afraid that we will have to part. Each night, so I have to have <laughs> Get it right, repeat. Well, Dion said when he fr- this is I'm quoting from the book here. So Dion said when he he didn't want to record it at first because he thought the sound the song sounded quote faggy. Oh yeah, well I mean he's he's a hard you know street dog. <laughs> yeah. Man, are we done? Can I go out and steal some fucking hood ornaments? I beat up an old lady on the way here. So what? Does she recognize me from this faggy song? <laughs> but this song. Hey, I, know that, I know that voice, Mister. <laughs> she called me a fag when I was beating her ass. <laughs> <laughs> so the song I'm playing a part. The song goes number five in the pop charts. Uh, it go, of course, it goes gold. And it, but it, number five in the pop charts, and then later in March, it's number five in the pop charts. This is fifty nine. In May of that year, three different versions 
go top 20 in England. Jeez. Mm. And so because of this, these shows in England invite him and more to England, being like, you guys are these songwriters of America. Tell us about it. And they spend all of these months in England going on shows. More, more performs, performs live on a show. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, they're the, the, they have, like, you know, they show up at the airport and there's fucking uh, fans. Look, it's the writers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. These blokes are after writing, fuck me, I'm adolescent, in I? <laughs> Are you the ones that wrote that tune? We tried to get the singers over, but they they cashed in the plane tickets for drugs. <laughs> Some real hooligans, they is. Uh, yeah, uh, the writers have to do. You know, Dion says about the, the session. He says we were in the studio with a piano and a genius. That's that was his interpretation about it. Um, and, you know, and Dylan said of that song. He said every everything you need to know about everything is is in that song. Hmm. Uh, and and Dion, you know, and Dion, I think pointed out like Doc brought the blues into it. You know that, you know that making what? it making it sad. Yeah. yeah. Instead of like pop, I love pop being fun. in love. Yeah. No. Why? He brought that whole aspect of can you believe this shit to it? <laughs> can yeah. You believe this shit. I can believe this. I gotta be a fucking teenager fucking in love <laughs> with my curly fingers. So while they're in England, though. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's Elvis's manager or someone who worked with Elvis was, <laughs> was coming through England and he said, hey, I'm on my way to Germany because Elvis was stationed there. He said, I'm on my way to Germany to see Elvis. You got any songs for him? And uh, so they're like, oh, fuck. So they, him and Mort cobbled together this song called them A Mess of Blues. They're like, fuck it. Sure, sure. Why not? And, you know, then that's that. They move on. <laughs> and they, you know, What? And, you know, goes to Elvis and, you know, Elvis... Uh, It'll, it'll it'll come up again. Okay. Ah, but at the time it was just like, cool. Hey, here, fucking Elvis. Of course, right. Elvis is awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and when they get back, when they get back from England, uh, they spent like months there. Um, but by the end of the year, by the end of '59, they had um, I think 11 songs chart. So it's like you know one song a month. They're making a shit the ton hit of money. Factory. Yeah. Exactly. Only Lieber and Stoller had more. Well, Finkel and Einhorn. Yeah. Einhorn is Finkel. <laughs> <laughs> so they, the Hill and Range moves them to this giant office, and then after like a week, it, they're like, this office is too big because they didn't do any work. And so then they decide to move into this tiny cramped office hmm. where there's like one window. And Doc jokes that he's like, if songwriting doesn't work out, at least we can jump out the window. <laughs> uh, but he's making so much money. Him and Willie buy a house in Lindbrook, Long Island. Hey, now we're talking. Uh-huh. Strong Island. You better believe it. Uh, Doc buys a silver Cadillac convertible off the floor and pays cash. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Does it have handbrakes nope. or drive itself? No. No, by, by I think around this point, he's not even driving anymore because he almost crashed. Again? Yeah, while Willie was with him. Oh, and dear so now God. She's, she's, you know, they move out to Long Island. Now she's driving him in the city. That doesn't tell you, like, the, the inherent sexism of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, honey, no woman's going to drive my Cadillac. Yeah. Hold on. Who should drive? <laughs> honey? <laughs> I got it. All right, strap in my earlobe to the steering wheel. <laughs> it's just him doing donuts when he's trying his best. <laughs> I can do it myself, woman. Damn it. <laughs> so so now you know they fucking you know he's made it and uh and so at hillary he, he starts working with this guy named ben ben nelson who eventually would go by the name benny king he starts working with him well you know they, you know him and more are writing these songs they're like okay you, these are for you ben because ben's with this band called the crowns i had mentioned earlier and eventually the crowd the drip the original drifters 
were the band the drifters were uh they all just left and huh. the band they were say. all replaced with another band ah. so the crowns became the drifters and then when the crowns started touring as the drifters all the drifters fans were like no fuck this this isn't them the and so the, the drifters the, they started tanking mm. and so they had to they had to uh you know start over again right but you know you know benny king and and the you know and the drifters and start working with doc and uh and you know doc and mortar really they're hitting they're they're on fire right now and they uh they write this song that um i mean they're cruising down the road at 88 miles an hour uh-huh yeah and 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 and, and Mort had been like he'd been traveling a lot and and he'd gone to mexico and and they the 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 melody is starting to get infused with sort of a latin oh. a latin rhythm oh. and uh and so you combine that with the with the lyrics, and and uh, and now Hill and Range is working with a full like they have an orchestra, they have a giant studio with an orchestra because it's all done live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it's not just an office where the you know the office people are singing backup now. Sure. Um, now the office people are playing the accordion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they used to be putting out a grease fire. <laughs> And so uh, there's this moment with the drifters where Benny King is like, he's pretty upset. He's, he's not feeling, he feels like he's not getting paid enough. He's about, to, he's about to quit. And then Doc gives him this song and uh, he doesn't quit after it because the, he, it just hit him. It, it, it hit Benny King. And uh, it, that song is, uh, is this song. Oh, hell yeah. You just hear that. Uh, yeah. A little. Mm-hmm. You know it, John. This oh, God. Yeah. yeah. He just fucking comes out like that. So oh, just fucking so tears it up. Damn. Was this in Stand By Me too? Oh, I don't know. I, they ha- I know, well, Yakety Yaks in it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it was. This magic moment, I mean, it's in a lot of movies, but it was definitely in one of those movies from our childhood, too. Hmm. Sweeter than wine. Oof. That guitar, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such a banger, dude. Yeah, yeah. So this song goes uh, 16 in the top 100. Huge hit for the Drifters. What was above this? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Hey, you listen to the Patreon. Maybe I'll look at it. Oh. <laughs> and uh, oh, nice. And so now that you know. Uh, now it's early 1960. Doc is, you know, he's just going through papers at his house, and he, he sees all the wedding invitations. And he just remembers the dance, you know, and uh, he starts Uh-oh. just scribbling. A just, kill list? On the back, li- on the back of <laughs> oh, all the wedding God. invitations that never went out, he starts just scribbling lyrics. And uh, he wanted this, he, he started, because, because Mort came back uh, from Mexico with this, lat- this Latin rhythm, Doc started writing in a way where he said he wanted it to sound, the music to sound, the lyrics to sound like it was a translation, an English translation of, of another language. Uh-huh. And so it was a little overwritten. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. And so he wrote this song that, uh, um, and this is a. It's like those those emails I get. Hello, (laughs) my one good friend. (laughs) Are you ready for most rigid penisly? (laughs) This is that classic, hello, my one good friend. (laughs) Break break her hotel bed frame with this one. (laughs) (laughs) And so. Do you know why they're written like that? Those emails mm. to weed out the the morons. Yeah, no, it's to weed to in, weed the, in morons. the morons. Weed in, weed yeah. them in. It's weed. It's to weed out anybody that wouldn't 
catch all the errors. Yeah, like, hello, my one good friend. Oh, hi, hey, hey. Hey. how are you doing? I have uh, so many friends. Yeah. My one good oh, friend. Oh, my one good friend needs some money. <laughs> I'm to wire him some money. <laughs> I'm, his only, I'm his only good friend. <laughs> what I do you expect me to do? I feel like a bad friend. I didn't even know he was my friend. Fuck. I'm a piece of shit. He deserves my money. God damn it. He says he's going to give me some Viagra, too. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he writes, uh, uh, Doc, you know, so Doc writes this song, um, uh, just, you know, just thinking about the, uh, the wedding. Writing on the back of the wedding invitations mm-hmm. where other men were dancing with his bride. Mm-hmm. And so he writes this song. Um, <laughs> Please don't grind up on my baby. <laughs> Well, I mean, kind of. Um, one of my one of my favorite uh, covers of this. I'll cover. I'll do it on. I'll talk about it on the Patreon again. Five dollars a month. Um, and <laughs> or more. This, <laughs> and this becomes. Um, this is on, this was released on the B side of their album, and then Dick Clark flips the record over <laughs> and plays it nonstop, and becomes the number one hit in America. Mm-hmm. And that song is the. Dream. And it goes a little something like this. <laughs> You can dance. Oh. Every dance with the guy who gives you. Yeah, I just the idea you know, think about the lyrics. You, you can dance with these other fucks. You can smile. Every smile for the man who held your hand beneath the pale moonlight. Ooh. But don't forget who's taking you home and <laughs> in whose arms you're gonna be. Oh, crutches. So darling. <laughs> Say the last dance for me. Now is that last dance the bed breaking? Is it not enough? That's why the spider's breaking. It's a lot of hits. I mean, yeah. legendary hits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Catchy. And in whose arms you're going to be very, like, heightened speech, like you said. Yeah. And, uh, you know, his, his uh, Willie, Willie talks about it in uh, Doc, and she's like, I can't. That song. Breaks your I heart. can't talk about it without breaking down, because the song was written for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no, there's, it's so obvious when you, yeah. I, I had, I never knew the connection. Yeah, it's really But beautiful. I loved the song, and then I, fu- and then yeah. like, I never coach. knew the impact of me twerking in his brother's face. <laughs> I mean, that was, he day. was really burying his face hey, in there. Yeah. Ah, yeah. You, <laughs> he was really digging for gold, man. <laughs> he went, got it. He went deep that night. <laughs> Plus, I farted. Who's laughing now, asshole? If you're just joining us, just listen to Profiles and Eccentricity, a show about weirdos where we fancy ourselves a dumb show for smart people. Yeah. Fart jokes, etc. So on and so fart. So fart. So fart, so good. Man. That fart really shook up the world. <laughs> sure did. Well, speaking of shook up the world, so... Uh, right around this time, he moves. Uh, he moves into. Uh, I'm moving stuff around. I'm sorry. I unplugged the stuff. No, it's okay. Lind- Lindenhurst. Can you plug Can that? Can you plug to- the fucking thing in, man? So, uh, so, so he's like, you know, like, you know, Willie. Willie's. Uh, she's still trying out for Broadway, and I think she gets a her, her like a, a legit Broadway part. Hey, um, she would eventually become, like a you know a star on Broadway. Big fucking deal. And um, hey, you're that lady who that song about all those guys is about. 
<laughs> well, no one knew that. Yeah, right. Forever. Sure. Um, but, you know, it's a, it doesn't make sense for her, her to drive him in. So he gets, uh, he starts staying at a hotel that's right across the street from where he's working. Still has an hour-long commute. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. Thank you. And it's called the uh, the Hotel Forest. And uh, you know, of course, so what do you do? He started hanging oh, in the lobby. Forest Gump, like him. <laughs> he started hanging in the lobby there, and it was uh, it was right near Madison Square Garden. So all the boxers, you know, were stay there. And so he started. You know, there's pictures. There's uh, and he wanted to be a boxer. Yeah, and, well, and, he, and he, it's him. You know, there's pictures of him talking to Muhammad Ali. Him and Muhammad Ali would would spend time just sitting in the booth and just fucking probably just yelling at each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, can you help me find these snowball kids? <laughs> Man, look at you. You're never going to have any problems walking or anything. Yeah, there's this doctor who used to make us all just spread eagle and fucking flip our legs around. All that guy really sucked, man. You whip his ass? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, really quick thing about Muhammad Ali. <laughs> saw that clip. Saw a clip the other day. It's it's a clip of Muhammad Ali and Custom Auto slap boxing. It's sixty yeah. seven year old Custom Auto and like prime Ali. Maybe mm-hmm. you know late thirties, early forties Ali. So mm-hmm. prime enough. And they're they're slap boxing. And Cuss is bobbing it. 67-year-old man, Cuss Tomato, who, if you don't know, would go on to train Mike Tyson. Uh, Iron Mike. Iron Mike. Kid Dynamite. <laughs> Baddest man on the planet and star of this year's Shark Week. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Someone's going to get big. <laughs> Damn, Shark Week is hard. <laughs> Woo. Have you seen the commercial for that? Oh, yeah. Oh. He really yeah. says someone's going to get big. It's Tyson That's versus Jaws. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, uh, it, they're they're slap boxing. Cuss is like really ducking down, Bob, and then he fucking just and he catches Ali on the jaw. He slips one in, Ooh. and he walks away. and Goes that catch it that time, and it's just like the most badass clip. Bad. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Anyways, and then Ali perpetrates a serious ass whooping yeah. on the old man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got your jaw right here. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Yeah, Ali, you wouldn't mind uh, kicking on my enemy's ass. <laughs> my brother sniffed. My wife's fart at one I'll time. I'll a song about you, man. So, so the lobby of Hotel Forest, right? It's a, it's like a perfect place for all kinds of like underworld people, but also like you know, hot people. Jack Benny's a regular there. Duke Ellington's uh, entire orchestra hey. is there. Uh, um, Smoking cigarettes like crazy. <laughs> The guy Murph the Surf, the Miami jewel thief who stole the Star of India from the Museum of Natural History. Murph the Surf? <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was arrested there. <laughs> this, that sounds like a profile. Yeah. Damon Runyon. Um, Damon Runyon Jr. Uh, Mike Buffano. <laughs> Paul Buffano. <laughs> now, was Trevor Mann back there? <laughs> Sam Speed. Yeah. Or Arbala. Richard Richard Arbala this, Dick Baller. Uh, this guy named Johnny Jungle Tree, who was this, <laughs> who was this just uh, like uh, insane alcoholic, but it was a lot of fun. He was a decent musician, too. Yeah, he's he, an alcoholic. When he got drunk, he was a black guy who got drunk, and he said every time he got drunk, he wanted to fight the tallest white man he could find. <laughs> <laughs> and one night, Doc was that man. <laughs> no, thankfully, him and Doc were friends. Uh, also, um, uh, there was just this this old bedraggled funny man who was always uh, staying there. Who uh, they he became close with uh, Rodney Dangerfield. I was going to say, regular. did he keep talking about how he didn't have any respect? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> A very disrespect, a very unrespectable man was hanging around in a bathrobe. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and fa- in fact, uh, routinely been disrespected. I, I, th- I, th- I think the story is that Doc uh, got him connections to get him onto Jerry Lewis's telethon, mm. and they all watched it from the lobby where he promptly bombed. <laughs> yeah. Wow! 
really? Because, I mean, it does, it's a telephone for crippled kids. You think you had a bad. <laughs> the guy who got me this gig was on crutches, too. <laughs> I had no idea. He made, a whole, he made, a, he made oh something out of himself. What's your excuse, kid? <laughs> But uh, how tall are you? There's a story. I know a black guy that want to beat the shit out of you. Where's the respect fundraiser? <laughs> There's a, a, a story of some guy who stole uh, Duke Ellington's boots. Oh. And he was in the lobby and he tried to sell them to Duke Ellington's manager. And Duke Ellington's manager was like, I think I know someone who would really like these boots. Mm. And then he called the cops. Wow. Pretty happening. Pretty happening in the lobby. That sounds like it. Quite a scene. Yeah. Uh, so this is 1960, uh, and so later in 1960, Elvis uh, releases a song called Costello, <laughs> called Elvis. Elvis it released a song called "The Mess of Blues." Mm. Doc and Mort had completely forgot about and it. That's the one he gave to him in Germany. Yeah, uh, it, uh, gave to him when he yeah, and um, Elvis Elvis loves the song, uh, and so Elvis uh, asks them asks you know his people to ask them. Uh, to, uh, to, to give them some more songs. And so they write a song uh, called Surrender. And it, in 61, it goes number one. Huh. And Elvis likes it so much. Elvis, uh, I think this is one. I think this is one. Elvis, uh, oh, it was, an, it was another song. They wrote another song called Little Sister, which becomes another big hit for Elvis. Jesus Uh-oh. Christ. Um, oh, brother. <laughs> and it's a, the genesis of the song is that uh, th- uh, your, your older sister treated me bad, but... I like you. Oh, oh yeah. Marie, one of these days you're going to use her drink turn 16. I'm going to marry you. <laughs> Little sister, please don't do to me what your big sister done. Damn. Oh, I think I know that song. Yeah, yeah. Ry Cooter did a hey, Ry Cooter. awesome cover of it. Ry Cooter uh, is the guy that he fucking made Buena Vista Social Club right, blow up. Right. Hmm. Uh, and so they become uh, the, 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 the favorite, favorite writers for the House of Elvis, as it's called. And not Cooter. Cooter. Co- yeah. Sure. Ry Cooter is my stage name. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Elvis, uh, to thank him, he calls them, he calls them both on their, at their houses one night. And uh, Doc, uh, Thomas, he, will you? he picks up the phone and it's, they're like, Elvis is on the phone for you. And he's like, fuck you. Because he thought it's a prank. He just hung up. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so he never got to talk to him. Uh, but by now, because of the hits for Elvis, now they're, him and Mort are each making $50,000 a year. It's about $430,000 today. Just from songwriting. Just imagine that. Yeah. It's fucking, there's one guy who does that now. It's that Swedish fucking fake doctor. Oh, yeah. That guy writes for every, especially yeah. like in the 90s and 2000s, was writing every pop hit. Yeah. All the Britney Spears shit. Ace O Bass. No, 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 no. He was writing American hits. Nice. The ones that matter. <laughs> uh, 62, uh, uh, Willie uh, gets pregnant uh, with, again with his son. His son is a very uh, interesting guy. He In the documentary, he. Um, He's he's very uh, thoughtful, but he's the whole documentary. He's just he wears sunglasses <laughs> in the entire time oh, he's like on Pete it. Oh, Pete Maravich's brother. He, he wears they're yeah. like big, they're like big, you know, triangular Oakleys. Uh, yeah, it's very interesting. Huh. But he does say something very interesting about Doc, where he says, "Kamikaze's two for one." <laughs> he says in a lot of heroes' stories, the hero is you know someone who's you know is floating down a river, and um, and they always you know they they grasp onto something and pull themselves out. And he said, for my dad, he was always just pulling his head above water. Hmm. Um, well, I mean, or something, you know, something to that effect. You know I mean? Oh, it was Marco Polio. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, around this time, Mort is just, Mort's making so much fucking money. He's like 25. And he's going, he's going, he's traveling all yeah, the time. He doesn't have a wife, he, kids. Yeah, he's doing a shit ton of drugs. Eventually, he would become huge in France. 
Oh. And he would have like a house there where everybody was just walking around naked all the time. And he was a, he was a huge singer in France. And they still remember him in France profile? today. Oh, <laughs> no, no, still time. Um, I, think, I think he wrote for George, George I want to say Pompidou, but it's not Pompidou. It's Michael. But this, this famous uh, French poet who became a singer who would basically just talk sing his way through his songs became huge. Hmm. Um, but so Morse traveling all the time, they, they start splitting up a little bit. Leonard and, Cohen. No, not Leonard Cohen. And then Mort goes through this crazy divorce, which I'm going to talk about on the Patreon because there's no time here, but it's it's fantastic. Mort goes through the divorce? Yeah. Nice. With, this, with this famous Jewish heiress, it's it's wonderful. The, the New York paper has a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful headline about it. Oh, huh, yeah. I like that. Uh, but then, okay, so in 64, the Beatles do Ed Sullivan. Dylan's getting big. Elvis still making, you know, bank, but everybody at, everybody at the Brill Building is like... Oh, all of these guys are writing their own songs now. Right. What the fuck are we going to do? With this bloated... Well, yeah. What are we going to do with all the people who aren't playing instruments? Simon and Garfunkel are going to play instruments. Yeah. Yeah. And so what the fuck are we going to do? I mean, fucking they're taking acid. You know, the Beatles are taking acid. What, how, how do you top that? <laughs> yeah. Elves is taking... Yeah, the, uh, the Halcyon. He's taking a bathroom break. <laughs> he's taking a shit. Elf's taking a shit. Taking a shit. <laughs> I think he's doing the handicap one too. <laughs> Doc's pissed. <laughs> no, but the, you know the, the lobby at the forest. You know, even the work's not going well. You know, Doc's still making decent money from you know royalties and stuff. And the lobby at the forest is really hopping. And a young songwriter shows at the Brill Building, and everybody there is like, oh, you know, you know, we're not, you know, if there's this older songwriter who's looking for people um go go hang out with him this guy this young guy's name is scotty fagan who becomes uh you know it's like a you know pretty decent uh uh uh, uh musician of, of his own uh right but uh he starts writing you know he shows up with doc and he you know, works hard and he starts writing with doc you know uh around this time the uh, right uh was a guy uh the name uh phil specter Oh, Ooh, him and Doc, you know, Doc is like, this guy is talented, he's ambitious, and he's also insane. Yeah. So, you know, we, they kind of got along perfectly. Mm. Yeah. This guy ties me up and points a gun at me, and I love him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've never written a better song in my life. <laughs> <laughs> How else was I going to pay him? <laughs> That's what I used to do. A point. <laughs> I ran out of heroin. <laughs> Uh, but also now, you know, Doc and Willie are, you know, Doc's spending all his time at this hotel. He's at the hotel five days a week. He's spending all this, Willie is, uh, tra- you know, she's traveling with shows. And, mm. She's busy. She's yeah. a woman about town. Yeah. And also, you know, by now she's in her, like, you know, mid-30s. Oh, nice. You know, she's like, you know, when she moved there, she's a kid, you know? Sure. And you even see it in their wedding videos. She's just, it's insanely young and beautiful. And then, you know, when, you know, you reach a point in your life where mm. you go... Oh, I, I, you know, I still want to do these things, and you know, I, while I love the past, you know, this is, you know, there's other, sure. other things. Got to live you know? in the now. You know, life isn't uh, what, it, what you see when you're 20. It's not all lollipops and rainbows. Yeah, <laughs> even not even that song, a sunshine lollipops. Well, you know, yeah, uh, you know, but then so so Doc, he's mainly in a wheelchair now because he, you know, wasn't walking that much and mm. gets pretty fucking fat. He does get pretty fat. <laughs> And so Scotty Fagan, one night Scotty Fagan's pushing him around the, the streets. And uh, you, you also imagine, you know, it wasn't until like the 80s where streets had like sliding curves yeah. or sliding curbs, you know? <laughs> yeah, where, no, where, it, it was just a curb at the crosswalk. Yeah, there it was, was like no... if, you were, if you were blind, there wasn't a fucking person to fucking help you, mm. then you were going to fall off a curb. That's right. how it was. You're going home in an ambulance. And yeah, if you, and if you had a wheelchair, 
you had to fucking clomp your way down into the street and then clomp your way off of the yeah. fucking street. And does, you know, so him and Scotty are, you know, Scotty pushing him down the street and, you know, takes his eye off it or something and they hit a curb or something and <laughs> Doc falls out of the wheelchair. Oh. His legs tuck underneath him. He fucking tears his knees up. Oh! It's all uh, folded in half. Scotty can't even pick him up and put him back in the wheelchair. They have to get someone to, to and then they bring him to the ER. And when, he, get, when he, he gets to the hospital, he's in the hospital for a couple of weeks. No doctors! And and he's... he's <laughs> and, 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 and one day he's wheeling himself down the hallway and he goes, he sees this old man in front of him, like just down the hallway. He's like, wait a minute, that's my dad. What? Yeah, and he goes. He goes up. He's talking to his dad, and his dad's like, "Oh yeah," and also your mom is two stories up. Oh, okay. the whole, like everybody but his brother was just in the hospital. Whoa, we're all shacked up together. Yeah. Huh. Look at us. Huh. And, you know, and then when he's there, he like he, he he's he's hanging out in the of course the lobby, and uh, <laughs> gotta be in the lobby, dude. There's mints. He he meets this family, and this family has this twelve year old daughter who's dying of cancer, and he's talking to them, and he finds out that uh, they're they're really big fans of uh, what's the fuck? I think it's Bobby Darren, mm. and he calls Bobby Darren. Bobby Darren shows up with like two cars full of packages, Aww. just like bringing the gifts. <laughs> they're gonna say two whores. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you like heroin, kid? <laughs> what you got to lose? You can meet him, but he's kind of on one. <laughs> 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 but uh, but he also you know he also, when he's there he recognizes that Willie and Mort are both like drifting away from him. Mm. And so Mort shows up and he tells Mort he says, "Hey, can you you're going out to dinner with Willie? Can you kind of like try to convince her?" And Mort and Willie convince go her out, what to to stay. Oh, and Mort and Willie go out to dinner and. When they're both at dinner, they go, yeah, we're both going to leave him. Oh. And, and so uh, Mort moves to Europe and, and Willie, uh, you know, uh, least, separates from him. At least they didn't fucking abscond together. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> was probably, all they, all he, the, he was Mort, probably expecting that. Mort's yeah. a maniac. I, you know, she, Willie seemed like a classy lady. I mean, not that you couldn't be with him. Now. But uh, anyway, so uh, he gets out of the hospital, uh, you know, a couple months later. And months later, I think it's like a, it's a month or two later. You know, he's yeah, there for he's a fucking lot of human weeks. origami. He's all folded human up. Human origami was yeah. that, he got that from the black belt run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's all, but he's he's there for about six weeks. Jeez, and he goes back to the forest. And when he gets back to the fucking forest, he doesn't hotel. Have, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. Have, yeah, the forest hotel. He I'm in the woods now. He doesn't have a wife. He doesn't have a songwriting partner. And then he gets a letter that the twelve year old girl uh, died. Oh. Mm. So it's just like everything. It's just falling apart. Sure. Write uh, a song. In 66, uh, Hill and Range doesn't renew his contract. Um, and the, But also in 66, he starts playing high-stakes poker with Johnny, Johnny Jungle Tree and his friends. Oh, that's a maniac. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You good, you lucky, you short, white boy. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, so he starts playing. Uh, he starts playing uh, 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 poker with them, and that's his like his main income is just these poker what? games. Hey. And uh, but he, but the the guy who runs the ho- the the manager of the hotel is uh, is uh, is is pissed because he's not like uh, actually that's a fucking that's later. Uh, Johnny Jungle Tree. Uh, he thinks Johnny Jungle Tree is a fucking drunk maniac. He's still friends with him, but twice when Doc and Johnny are out gambling, someone breaks into Doc's room. Oh and steals God. his stuff. And so mm. he's like, okay, this must have been someone. That has to do with Johnny. Mm. So he moves out of the forest, moves across the street, uh, and he goes to Hollywood, and he, he writes uh, an instrumental to, to, for uh, Dino De Laurentiis' uh, movie. Hey. Um, you know, um, a few, oh, I, you know, I, should, I should also mention a few, you know, a couple years before the, you know, Elvis was doing all these movies, him and, uh, and Moore do write a song. Uh, for Elvis that you've heard of called Viva Las Vegas. Whoa. 
Huh. You really never heard of that? I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> Jesus, I can't tell you're kidding, face. Uh, as you know, so he's, he's playing this, uh, he's playing poker. There's not a lot of money coming in. He's also, you know, he, um, is he pissing away like his riches kind of thing? No, he doesn't have that much money and to piss away. Is he hmm. pissing the night away? Um, it, but he, he moves into this other hotel and while he's there, there's this 18 year old, 19 year old, beautiful blonde woman <laughs> that she's actually 38 that is, that is on his floor and what? And she every every time she would go through the lobby, she would see him talking to all these people, and he, she would be like, "He's interesting." I don't. She would hear Doc, 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 but she couldn't see anybody. And then one day she sees him, she's like, "Oh, he's interesting," and she starts talking to him. Her name is uh, uh, Shirley, and uh, uh, was it the cancer girl? No, no, no. They hit it off. She died. And all yeah, of a sudden, well, you know, stories happen. She's, stories are weird. she's new in town, and she's like, "He's really sweet," and now he's you know he's fucking like forty something, and he's got a, another. Beautiful blonde woman. Mm-hmm. He's in his, yeah, yeah he's, in, he's in his forties now. Yeah, uh, but you know, <sighs> you know, he, he's making all his money through his poker games, and uh, and she's like, you know, he discovered that uh, if he hosted the game, then the 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 host gets part of the pot, right? Mm. And so, so all of a sudden, he's like, okay, well, I got to make sure I'm making money, you know, because he's you know he's sending his kids to private school. Uh, he said uh, his daughter said that she would. Uh, you know, when she was around for these games, she would get a list of all the cigarettes to buy. Wow. So every day she would go out and buy cigarettes just for the game. And, uh, Chesterfield's lucky strike. <laughs> I smoke red apples. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, and so, you know, these people would come over and they'd hang out all night and, and Shirley would like bring out food and, you know, and, and you know, doc, this was how doc was making his money. But even at the same time, he's still writing music. And this guy named, this young guy named Kenny Hirsch goes to like the Brill Building and they send him to Doc and him and Doc start hitting off and writing songs. And they write a song for uh, Ray Charles and... Uh, the Pepsi song. <laughs> Diet <laughs> yeah. Pepsi, uh-huh. Remember that? When Ray Charles sang for Diet Pepsi? Mm-hmm. That was yeah. what they wrote. Yeah. I have it on good authority. People are saying. Really? Yeah. That a lot of people are saying it. Doc wrote the Diet Pepsi, uh-huh song. That's cool. And... Uh, and and so Kenny actually goes to meet with uh, with Ray Charles. This is a, a, what, um, you guys need to know this story. So Kenny <laughs> Ken, Kenny goes to meet with Ray Charles, and Ray Charles is like, "Well, come into my studio." And Kenny's like, oh, "It's really dark in here. Could you could you could you?" I said, "Ray, how about some lights?" And Ray goes, "Oh, oh that's right." <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> It's actually in my dungeon. There's <laughs> 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 no lights. See the whips and ball gags. <laughs> <But Sivian>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is for uh, David Char. One of there are a lot of like uh, like legit. There are a lot of insane people that would show up at these poker games. But there's also saying this is what, this is for David Sharp. Yes, yes. But, there, the but there's also a lot of uh, really good gamblers. And there was like this 16 year old kid that was always there. And his name was Stewie Unger. Hey, mm. uh, and so Stewie was... Unger, a profile done by David Sharp, friend of the show. Very, mm-hmm. very, very good profile. So we're uh, so we're jumping ahead to the the seventies. He starts, you know, starts going out more, and uh, uh, he he goes out to this club, and there's this singer there, and he, uh, I, I think Johnny Junkletree actually tells him to check her out. It's just this blonde. It's an, at the at the Improv in New York. <laughs> you gotta see it. I'm gonna rob your apartment tonight. <laughs> <laughs> She's really good. <laughs> and he sees her. And um, this is at the uh, the comedy club. At, yeah, well, it's just it's an improv. Yeah, but it's uh, you know everything sure. improv. Yeah. And there's this blonde woman who's just like 
just blowing, you know, just fucking destroying everybody. And uh, it's Bette Midler. Ah. And so he talks, he tells her, and she, she, you know, they become friends, and she records some of his songs. She records a teenager in love. Uh, Kenny Hirsch is playing keyboards for. Um, uh, uh, Doc tells Atlantic <laughs> to check her out. They do. Uh, she goes on Carson, and then she becomes... Bette Midler. A quadruple yeah. threat. Because Carson is just like, Carson can't stop hmm. yeah. flirting with her. Yeah. I've seen some crazy ass shit in my time. <laughs> but she was something special yeah. when she hit the scene because yeah. she was a singer. She was funny. Yeah. She and also, had, she, had this, she also has a, a very striking look. Mm hmm. Uh, and she does. She was also in the you witches. You know, like dirty jokes, but then she does not like, the witches. Uh, well, a fucking wind focus. beneath my wings. Yeah, and that's like the, it's well. I mean, it's not cool. even not even there. She hasn't even put out an album when she starts going on Carson. Yeah, but so she starts going on Carson. She blows up, and you know, Doc is uh, he's desperate for money, and he's like, hey, you know, I've been working with you, and so could I? And you know, maybe he was a little too strong, maybe something, but. You know, uh, Shirley said that it seemed like Bet was like, "Oh Christ, here's another another person asking me for money," and Bet cuts him off. Mm. And then a few months later, she, or I don't know, like six eight months later, she puts out her album, and all of the doc songs that she had recorded don't make the album. She, oh. she re-records the whole album, and uh, never talks to him again. <laughs> uh, and so you know, now he's making money through only through the poker. Um, Phil, Phil Spector finds out that he's broke and so just, he just mails him a blank check. Whoa. And uh, Doc, Doc fills it out for $3,000. $4,000. And a bullet with his name on it. <laughs> <laughs> Tie yourself up. I'll be there in an hour. <laughs> he loves this shit. What do you want me to do? <laughs> I'm going to give the best vocal performance out of you you've ever done in your life. So it's, it's 73 New Year's Day. Doc's uh, neighbor is murdered in his hotel. Um, Big Maybell dies. She dies uh, now, not uh, what I said before. Uh, Damon Runyon Jr., his friend from the other hotel, he jumps into the Potomac and dies. Whoa. Um, and so everything seems to be going. It's not great. That's what they said about Captain America and Bucky Barnes, too, but mm. they both made it out. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Potomac, you know, a little different. And the, the neighbor... Back in the... Did he watch it all from the window? No, no, he just... <laughs> was Jungle Tree robbing everybody while they were all dying? <laughs> well, Jungle Tree, I think around this, so... Also, uh, yeah, so around this time, Broadway Central, the place that he used to be in, the building collapses. Nice. Johnny Jungle Tree is found... Uh, uh, he had fallen asleep in an abandoned building in the middle of winter while he was drunk and died. Should have had all those... Should have ate some rat poison sandwiches and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. antifreeze cocktails. Yeah, Michael Mallory. Um, but also, you know, so this is, this is 73, but then BMI, the, the music uh, thing, you know, doc, you know, he would go to the awards and usually it's just a fucking jack off session. And BMI is the, uh, like uh, songwriting credit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they have awards every year and doc usually goes, and then, you know, 1973, he, he goes and he gets told that John Lennon specifically asked to share a table with him. Hmm. And, you know, he's like, whatever, you know, he go he, go, he goes there and he sees John and he's, John shakes his hand and, and Yoko <laughs> shakes his hand and then John reaches for uh, Shirley's hand and Yoko smacks his hand away. Whoa, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Doc's like, oh, okay, that's cool. And Doc goes to his this table. This is the bloke that wrote, I'm a fucking adolescent, isn't I? 
He's a legend. <laughs> Phil tied him up and put a gun to his head too. <laughs> See, Yoko? <laughs> Yoko, I don't do that to you. Happens to the best of us, doesn't it? I, th- I think Lennon, well, so so Doc goes to his table and then uh, after Lennon, Lennon stops talking to all these people and just fucks over and comes to the table and him and Doc He's, he sits next to Doc and they talk for the rest of the night. Mm-hmm. And Lennon is telling him about uh, working with Spectre and he's going to do you know, this Nielsen stuff. And, and he tells him that, uh, I, I think it was uh, for Hey Jude that uh, they were thinking about Magic Moment, uh, you know, kind of that oh, really? melody type. I think, That's very if, interesting. I, if I'm remembering that correctly. But, but one, of the, one of Doc's songs was one of the th- songs that they thought about when they, mm. were, when they were making the music to Hey Jude. Wow. And, you know, you know, so you know, Lennon, you know, loved these songs. Sure. And Doc was just a huge guy to him, and uh, and 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 him and Lennon would hang out after this. They would hang out, you know, every week, and just talk about music. And 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 uh, um, uh, Doc's daughter Sharon, she would see Lennon all over all the time because they lived like uh, Lennon said, "Oh, I'm moving into this this building just right down the street from you." <laughs> Nothing bad will ever happen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and Sharon, in the alley, alley. Sharon it's sees him all controlled. The, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you're the alley, alley guy. <laughs> Sharon sees him all the time, and she's like too nervous to say anything. And then one time she sees him in the supermarket, and she's like, "Hey, uh, John, I'm Doc Pomus's kid." And in <laughs> right there in the middle of the supermarket, uh, uh, Lennon sings "Save the Last Dance." Are you fucking in the supermarket to her? Yeah. Wow. That's Damn. pretty nuts. Yeah. Can you hurry up? I'm trying to buy some Miracle Whip. <laughs> I don't care what you wrote. Yeah. Are the fucking cantaloupes fresh or not? And you and your wife, wherever she's from, get the fuck yeah, you yeah. on. <laughs> we got places to... So, um... All right, we're gonna, uh... We're almost there. And, uh... 73 uh, also this 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 kind of whirlwind young mystic gets into doc's life um and uh, his name is mac rebenack and he's this guy from new orleans who this Trevor white Man guy Man? <laughs> yeah it's this white guy who loves black music and has this he's invented this cajun character about himself and and he always wears these crazy outfits and mm, i guarantee he goes by the name dr john oh and he starts working with mac and it's like there, there's a there's a, 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 a amazing similarity between the two of them you know these white guys who are who are, who are singing this uh, not white music yeah. you know this bonifiles <laughs> <laughs> am i what? wrong well you got francophiles sure right michael well, you can have an uh a, i would say bonifile is a reasonable word that i made up yeah all right they hit. They hit it off, and they. What start, do you want to call them? Cultural appropriators. <laughs> yes. Colonizers. They yeah. start. They start writing songs together. It's just a perfect match because Max Mac is insanely uh, virtuistic. Uh, He's uh, to the max. Keyboard, keyboard player. Yeah. A virtuoso. Virtuoso. He's yeah. certainly better than Doc. Oh yeah, the Doc uh, doesn't play anything. Uh, but you know, so they write together, and you know, and even you know, Mac would like go to the bathroom for an hour and do heroin, and oh yeah. So there's still problems, but you know, you know, 
ducks. It's like fucking whatever. You know, he's fucking stuck in <laughs> I'm bed happy all about day. The collaboration. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> At least he's not holding a gun to my head. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, honestly, I'd like the bathroom back. <laughs> <laughs> you're in my you're in my huge stall. Well, to be fair, the duck wasn't used. You know, he had a, he had a closet he, bag. He would stay in the bed a lot of the day, and he had like you know portable fucking toilet he was using. Nice. And, and, and by now, you know, Shirley is like in and out of his life. You know, she you know she's fucking so young. Oh, so she's the portable toilet. Oh, <laughs> oh no. boy. Oh, boy. Is that what you're saying? No. She, oh, yeah, oh, she yeah. was Catholic or Christian or something. <laughs> 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 or something. I don't know. I'm from Williamsburg, dude. I don't give a fuck. Oh, God. <laughs> so, so you know, uh, <laughs> it's a reference to John's uh, episode about the, the, the priest who would had the slave boy or was the slave boy yeah the toilet yeah i don't i don't don't want this to go too long so i'm gonna um skip over some stuff but i I do want to say that uh you know at some point um he does go out to la and he to meet up with specter in the late 70s or yeah the mid to late 70s and And he's in a mexican standoff with with the ramones specter specter is just like just some guy's name ramon You gotta come and help me, Doc. The Ramones are after me. The guys from fucking Jersey? No, a bunch of Ramones. I just ran, I just came back from Tijuana, so fucked up. <laughs> so, so, but, <laughs> and these, these guys took down Dean on the Belmonts. <laughs> There's no more Belmonts. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a pretty good time with Spectre until they go back to his place. And uh, yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> and Specter has one of those those conversation uh, 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 rooms, you know, where it's like it drops like yeah, sort of yeah it's it, like it, steps yeah. down into this yeah, like, yeah. And uh, Specter has his assistants. He insists that his assistants carry Doc and put him into it. Of course, Specter is just like handing out cocaine left and right. Mm, my goodness. Um, and at one point, Shirley is like, "Hey, uh, I got to." She goes off to use the bathroom, and um, she says she she. I think she wants to smoke a cigarette, and so she opens the window of the bathroom, and alarms go off, and like gates come down, and dogs what? start barking because Specter is he's going insane. Yeah, he thinks everybody's out to get him, except for Doc, of course. Well, really, they're just trying to get out. <laughs> yeah, but that even the, even Specter like at some point in the night, Specter started he pulled out a gun and just started like waving it around. He loves guns. Yeah. Loves it, and so like Doc was like, "I can talk to him. Don't worry, I I, I can help." But Shirley's like, "This is this is insane." Yeah, so that's, that was his L.A. Phil Spector moment. But anyway, he comes back to uh, he gets back to New York, and uh, he starts hanging at this place called Lone Star Cafe. Mm. Uh, Jerry Jeff sings about it. There was other places. You know, after that would close, then he would go to Kenny's Castaway. So he just watch music, and all of these people like Belushi and all and Lou Reed and all of these musicians would be like, "Oh, that's Doc." And they would come up and they would talk and they would hang out. It was his new lobby kind of thing, you know. Sure. And everybody wanted to be there, um, and and then he's so he he started doing. Um, he started having people over his apartment. There was always fried chicken. He would always order fried chicken. There's all of these like young, beautiful. Uh, female songwriters that were that would just like show up and you know everybody would just hang out until the morning. Um, a lot of hanging out. Uh, you Sh- love it. Sean Colvin, um, uh, Penny Arcade, um, very very you know you know um, Joan Osborne. Hey, uh, you know people that would become the know. Joan Osborne. Yeah, and uh, and uh, what if God was one of us, Joan Osborne? Yeah, and and eventually she's she- six years old at this time. How what year is this? 
is uh, early 80s. Uh, yeah. So she was pretty young? Yeah, late, late 70s, early 80s. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Maybe not. Wait, was it Joe Jonas? Oh, whatever. Who cares? Scratch Sounds it. good. Scratch it. I don't care. Anyway. What if God was one of us? Do you know Mick DeVille? So Mick DeVille was this fucking flashy-ass motherfucker. Yeah. And nice. uh, him and Doc hit it off, and Doc wrote some songs for it. And it got it. Him and, you know, it got on uh, Lachette Blue, which is Mick DeVille's, uh, uh, one of his hot records. Mm. It's actually, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty fun. Um, and Doc started having these, like, songwriting classes in his apartment. And, like, Lou Reed would show up, and, like, all of his young songwriters would learn from Lou Reed or, yeah. or, or, or Dr. John. And, you know, but a lot of the women had, like, they had crushes on Doc because he was incredibly smart and kind. And even Sean Colvin, she says, uh, you know, she says, uh, you know, I went to his place, and, uh, yeah, some, you know, some lessons happened. What? And uh, uh, so he showed me what those curly fingers well, was well, I, I, I think it was her or, or Marshall... Uh, Marshall or something, I forget. But she, you know, it's like, you know, smart women are attracted to smart men, and Doc was brilliant. Mm. And like a lot of these women are like, this is a brilliant, talented man. And even though he's a giant Paul, a giant Paul of goo, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's non threatening. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to chase he's, you down. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. No. What? Not. It's true. He's not. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he meets up with Big Joe Turner again. <laughs> and, Joe, and, and he finds out that Joe Turner is fucking destitute mm. and uh he uh and that's less than a prostitute <laughs> <laughs> he's not even charging anymore no he, he finds out that joe turner's uh fucking reps have been taking his money from him huh and so he makes a few calls and <laughs> next thing you know joe turner's making money again mm. right well muhammad ali probably showed yeah. up and started straightening everybody out <laughs> jungle tree too man listen miss jungle tree these big tall white guys are stealing from my friend joe <laughs> i'm there and uh you know he's going to see he sees joe turner and uh joe joe turner is like playing playing three shows a night and he's like joe why are you playing three shows a night and joe's like well because uh because I'm, I'm broke i need the money and uh and joe's manager is making him do this and so uh, one night, one night, Doc uh, he leaves the club and he has his driver call in a bomb threat just so Joe can get the night off. Wow! Wow! And uh, and he, you know, in the uh, you know, so seventy seven, Elvis dies. Shirley leaves, but you know, Elvis dies and he gets all this royalty money. Mm. Uh, Shirley, you know, Shirley's over it. She's out of the picture. Yeah, but you know, when Elvis dies, also that's like the that's the end of an era. Yeah, there's there's no going back to whatever. You can never get back to whatever right. yeah. that was. Um, but in '80, Doc and Mac they send a song, uh, uh, a tape of songs to BB King, mm-hmm. and uh, King uh, is in the studio reading the lyric sheet for it, and he just for one of these songs, and he starts to cry. Mm. And uh, this is a song that BB would record in uh, I think '80. He would record in '81. So Benny King, BB King, and the King, <laughs> yeah, all performing Doc song. Yeah, yeah. And you got royalties from that? You're telling me? Mm-hmm. Huh? What about BB Netanyahu? Gotta bite your lip. You gotta bite that bottom lip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. So this is this is the the Doc Doc and Max song, BB King record. 
good bass line. Sometimes I wonder just what am I fighting for? I win some battles, but I always lose the war. I keep right on stumbling, and there's no man's land out here. But I know, mm, yes, I know, there must be a better world somewhere. So B.B. King always talking about, he's like, you know, he, he, he wished there was some place that people would just treat him like a normal person, mm. you know? No, you know, no, no black, no, you know. That's why matter, he made the House of Blues. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, when he read that song, he started crying and, and, he, and he immediately, and so that song won a Grammy in 81. Huh. Wow. Uh, oh, 80, the, ra- eight, the, race, the race category? <laughs> 84, Dolly Parton has a top five country hit with Save the Last Dance. Wow. Oh, shit. oh God, Dolly. Dolly's the best. Yeah, Dolly's yeah. amazing. Uh, 86, he gets a call out of nowhere saying, hey, Bob Dylan wants to come over. Uh, and Bob Dylan comes over and Bob Dylan goes, I fucking, I can't, I can't write anything right now. I got nothing. All right, can, I'm going to hold a gun to your head. Stay still. <laughs> can, you, can you help me out? And him and Dylan spend an afternoon and Dylan says, hey, here's the tape of some songs. Help me figure out some stuff. Um, and I think that was his only meeting with Dylan, but, um, you know, Dylan, uh, definitely, uh, you know, had a reverence for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, around that time he writes a letter, Doc writes a letter to Billboard saying, Guys, someone, before, when Jimmy Scott dies, everybody's going to go, oh, wasn't he a great performer and artist? We're going to, we miss him. Someone needs to do something about Jimmy Scott before he dies. Yeah. Uh, and uh, nothing really happens uh, with Jimmy, Jimmy Scott. Jimmy Scott is the 36-year-old prepubescent? Yeah. Yeah, the baby man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was older. Uh, he's, you know, writing for uh, Willie DeVille of Mink, Mink DeVille. Um, and in, uh, in 1990... Doc and his brother Raul. Raul, uh, uh, Raul Felder, uh, by then, 1990, was a a world-famous divorce attorney. Ah. (laughs) Was was the divorce attorney in America. Wow. Are you uh, being devoured by a succubus? (laughs) (laughs) Would you like to launch your ultimate revenge against the woman who broke your heart? Are you in a Mexican standoff with the Ramones? <laughs> <laughs> or the Raouls? <laughs> or, the, or the Jungle or, Trees? Or the Belmont Gang? <laughs> Have your hubcaps been stolen? <laughs> and pressed oh. into gold platinum records? <laughs> Are pieces of your automobile part of a musical legacy? <laughs> have, have you been denied, denied royalties by the king or baby king? Or Benny king? <laughs> <laughs> or even mega, rap, mega rock group queen? <laughs> or perhaps even Minnesota legend <laughs> prince? Perhaps, perhaps you're waiting for your royalties from Kiss and Make Up. Or perhaps you've seen... Kiss without makeup. <laughs> you may be entitled to compensation. Kiss. I'm Raul Felder. <laughs> you should get what's coming to you. So <laughs> you got another thing coming. <laughs> Have you been trapped in a jigsaw maze of a fire escape? <laughs> so. 
Have you been touched by a Judas priest who was Catholic or Christian or something? <laughs> Are you trapped in an Iron Maiden? <laughs> I'm sorry. No. That's why we're here. So, uh, so uh, 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 1990, Doc and Raul, they have, uh, they have a dual birthday. Yeah. They, they have... Uh, the guns? <laughs> Draw. A dual birthday. A, jo- a joint birthday, I guess I could oh, say. Oh, treating it up. Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, so they run out Katz's in uh, the East Village. Oh, the deli? Very nice. Yeah. And it has this giant, like, uh, you know, uh, party area. You know, you know, probably a ball pit or something. <laughs> and uh, and there's a, just a line around the block. And one of the, one of the I forget who it is from the from the documentary. They say that uh, you could tell who was there for who. All of the poor artists were there for Doc, and all of the women with fake tits were there for Raul. Whoa! Oh, and uh, and, they, and you know it's fucking you know all of these fucking famous people like fucking you know Lou Reed and all of these famous artists are there too. And uh, but afterwards, Doc is like, hey, fucking, I couldn't breathe. I've never, I've never had this trouble before, but I couldn't breathe in there. Mm. And uh, Doc had, uh, he had quit cigarettes about 20 years before that, but mm-hmm. up until then, he smoked four packs a day of Chesterfield with no filter. Oh, my Damn. God. Plus, he was gigantic. Yeah. 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 Uh, and he had fucking huge-ass lungs. He was probably dragging the whole fucking thing in one oh, go. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Ugh. And then he ate the butts. <laughs> 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 so uh whether you're bb king or a little street sweeper sooner or later pal you dance with the reaper and <laughs> uh, 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 so doc he uh he calls up shirley one day and he says i just had this insane dream i i i had this dream where uh where where you know i i, I it was you and i we were we were we were watching fireworks, these big fireworks, just a whole fireworks display. And, uh, and then we went to a theater, and I wasn't there, but I was there. But everybody we know w- was there. Except they weren't them. Uh, we, we weren't there. No, but I, I, I was, was here. It was a, <laughs> <laughs> and everybody was getting up on stage and talking about me, mm-hmm. and they were saying nice things. And he said he, he got really embarrassed listening. And then he said later, uh, some people performed, and then... Everybody walked down the aisle and left. And, Whoa. And then we took a ride somewhere. And then about a month later or so, uh, he, he, uh, he has this cough he can't get rid of. Goes to the hospital. At first, they, they don't do all of the tests. They think he's okay because they don't do the one where they shove the camera down your lungs. Mm. And then, you know. Dildo cam. Yeah. What? <laughs> and then he's getting worse. And yeah, they go in. They say, you know, he, get, he gets the test and. He's got two months to live. He's got cancer. He's got Whoa. lung cancer. He's got the disease called two months to live. Yeah. You've got two months to live. What's that? Is it bad? <laughs> Is it the blues? <laughs> it's kind of red, <laughs> green. Yeah, it's not good. Sputum. And, uh, uh, you know, so he's got two months to live and he's in the hospital now. You know, he gets all these letters from all over the world to people who, uh, you know, wish him well and everything. And, you know, Terrence uh, Trent Darby. Yeah. Wishing well. Yeah. And all of you know, the, you know, his, his his friends show up, and his family shows up, and Lou Reed offers to uh, install a color TV in the room to get rid of the black and white TV. <laughs> Lou Doc, Reed offers him a ton of heroin. Yeah, and Doc's like, Lou, this is no time for long term plans. This, this, <laughs> this, this, this. Uh, and 
and uh, and then one night he's uh, in the hospital and uh, he's with Shirley and they look out the window and there's a fireworks display going oh, out the window. Oh, boy. Whoa. And then uh, not long after that, it's uh, this guy, this doctor they called Dr. Shroud. Because oh. he, he always had bad news. <laughs> and he shows up and he's like, he's getting there. And so every, the, the family is gathered around him and like three in the morning he, he, he wakes up. And he just says, thank you. And then he dies. Oh, shit. Whoa. And uh, they have, a, you know, for his funeral, they have a concert for him. Sweet. Basically, they, 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 you know, they have the, you know, you're, they're at a church and they, you know, Mac, Mac, uh, Dr. John plays a song he wrote just for the occasion. And fucking, you can just tell he's just dying inside. And, and, and he had kicked heroin for Doc. Wow. And he talks about that. He said he announces it. At the funeral that he kicked heroin for Doc. Wow. Though in the book it says he called Doc and said he kicked it, but you know, maybe he said that when he was in the hospital. But um, he could have also said it at the funeral. Yeah, maybe, uh, you know, maybe, it, maybe a text. I don't know. And everybody's you know making these speeches, and then little Jimmy Scott gets up and sings. Mm-hmm. My balls drop. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, you know, everybody's like, oh, fucking Jimmy Scott. And Jimmy Scott gets up and sings, and it's just, yeah. it's insane. Awesome. It's just amazing, and. There's a a a, a, a record producer, a, a, um, what a record label guy there, and he signs Jimmy. He's, he, no shit. He signs no Jimmy Scott that way. day, and so Doc's funeral. Wow. Got Jimmy Scott. His record. This kid's gonna be big. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> I'm 55. <laughs> and I'm Veronica Lake. <laughs> Jungle trees just robbed everybody's car. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I think fucking Spectre settled a gang dispute that night. <laughs> I think it was Mar- March fourteenth. I think it's night. I'll execute every last motherfucker. <laughs> 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 <This> is eulogy. <laughs> just, and. Uh, <laughs> The fucking Eurythmics are in the parking lot giving the eulogy. The Ramones are having a Mexican standoff. <laughs> Phil Spector's a fucking ghost. <laughs> Jungle trees stealing the hood caps. <laughs> Going back to the forest hotel. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. And, uh, well now, and now Doc's songs are as, you know, they're not number one songs, but, you know, the royalty they're checks. They're plus. They're, they're, oh, as, yeah. they're as big as, as they've been over the last 30, 40, 50 years almost, yeah. you know. Yeah, those are, I mean, all time. Yeah. Massive, massive fucking hits. Yeah. I'm trying to see what this magic moment has a very, like, memorable scene in a movie that I really want to remember. I think it's used in movies all the goddamn time. Yeah, yeah. For definitely. Yeah, it's a magic moment. Yeah. That's what yeah. movies are yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, um, you know, uh, you know I'll, I'll take us out on a, a, doc, a, a, a song. The Sandlot. With Doc. Oh, The Sandlot, that's right. When that's, he kisses Wendy Peppercorn. Yeah. Makes sense. But, uh, that's pretty mad. I guess uh, I'll, I'll take us out in a doc song. Hell yeah. I'd love for that. I mean, unless, uh, unless uh, I, don't, I don't have to cut us no, off. No, no, no. Please, please. Take let's us let's take us out. Maybe maybe unless there's anything that uh, you guys are thinking about. I am going to say uh, goodnight. My name is John Fahey. My name is Aaron Pita. Meperso. Good night, everybody. We love you. This is Blues in the Red. Hungry. 
And I'm broke as I can be. <laughs> I said I'm all alone and hungry. <laughs> and I'm broke as I can be. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> Physically. <laughs> Needle bouncing. <laughs> Walked out. Now my checks all bounce like rubber. I've been so short of cash. I said my checks all bounce like rubber. Yeah. The band's like, how are you getting paid? It's crazy how, what, what a turnaround uh, rap was. For yeah. uh, I got all the money. I got all the bitches. <laughs> this is a, 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 a kind of well-known song by Doc. Actually, but let me, let, this is Doc's boogie. This was a little bit, little bit happier. Let me try this. <laughs> Let's remember but a better note. Somebody got roller skates. <laughs> Somebody got a wheelchair. <laughs> it's about rolling jays. We'll jump, we'll jump <laughs> it must be. You ain't jumping, bro. We'll, jump, <laughs> we'll jump till the break of day. I'll we'll <laughs> break we'll a leg. Will you play a little sister too? Oh, sure, sure. Uh, the Elvis one. Whatever's a good one. Let's let's do it on the Patreon. Sure. Because uh. uh Ry Cooter's version of it is fucking amazing. Yeah. I hear uh, Pearl Jam did one too. Wait, really? Really? Network.